0: Welcome to episode 189 with my guest Lance L. I'm Paul Gilmartin. This is the Mental Illness Happy Hour. Honesty about all the battles in our heads from medically diagnosed conditions, past traumas, and sexual dysfunction to everyday compulsive negative thinking. This show is not meant to be a substitute for professional mental counseling. It's not a doctor's office. I ain't no therapist. It's more like a waiting room that doesn't suck. The website for this show is mentalpod.com. And MentalPod is also the Twitter handle you can follow me at. Do not try reaching me uh, through CB Radio with the Twitter handle, MentalPod. You will get nothing but angry truckers. Uh, and hi out there to some of our trucker uh, listeners. I know uh, we got a, a listener named Brian who is a long-haul trucker. That sounds like a co- such a cool... I'm a long haul trucker. It doesn't get any more masculine than that. Um, although I'm sure there's some uh, some tough ladies who are long haul truckers, and uh, eh, that didn't sound condescending at all. And speaking of condescending, um, I want to read a email uh, I got from a uh, a listener who um, is na- her name is Jody. And she took exception to uh, an interview I did uh, a couple of people uh, ago, uh, the interview with Susanna Lee. And um, she writes, Hi, Paul. I'm a frequent listener and appreciate very much how much the podcast seems to help provide comfort to a lot of people who are struggling. In the interview with Susanna Lee, however, I felt anger for the first time since I began listening. I know that you can't make everyone happy all the time, and for me, uh, and for every time, And for every me, there is probably someone who thinks the opposite, but here goes. I was upset regarding your comments about strip clubs and feeling cheated by not having the stripper, quote, take the mask off. Here's the thing. Paul, as a customer who pays to have a stripper wave her crotch in your face, you don't get to also demand her thoughts and feelings. By being in a situation where you are commodifying someone in this way, you must know that she is allowed to do her job and protect whatever parts of herself she needs to in order to get through her shift. Please don't pretend that you are better than the customers who are. Uh, only there to see her gyrate around. You're asking for that plus parts of her soul, which rather than making you a superior customer makes you actually more intrusive. She is not condescending to you with her act, she is doing her job. She's not your buddy, she's not your girlfriend, and you should not expect more than her act. And by the way, when you think strippers have taken off the mask in the past, I'm pretty sure that was still part of the act. I don't mean to be hurtful here, I just want you to know that I think you are out of line in this thinking. Now you can tell me to fuck off, Jody. Um, Thank you for sending that, Jody. That was not easy to read. And um, I would just uh, say that what I was expressing, you know, I said in the... And and that very much applies to the me that used to go to strip clubs. As I said in the interview, I don't go to them anymore because I just find them sad. And, um, And I just don't like the whole vibe and there. The whole thing just feels phony. Um, and, um, I feel phony. I f- feel phoniness from them. And, but I, I get, I understand what you're, I understand what you're saying. Um, I suppose I should have been more clear that I was speaking about the old me that used to go in there and, and want that. And I generally, generally, genuinely did not understand, um, Even as I was talking to Susanna, why um, the cliched kind of act of sexy that um, just seems weird to me is used so often when there's so many other ways that somebody could be um, sexy doing that job that are more organic, where they don't have to give away any part of themselves, any part of their soul. Um, there you have it. But uh feel free to tell me to fuck off. And, and you know the thing that I appreciate, and I've said this before, when you guys do take exception um to something I've done or said or an attitude that I have, um you're so diplomatic with it. And um I appreciate that because it's it's hard for me to grow as a person and as a, a host. Um If there's vitriol in it, because uh, then it's going to, you know, I'm just going to be like, well, fuck that person. Anyway, here's another critical email. Um, This wasn't so much critical as it was uh, questioning. He writes, um, let's see, he wants to be called Confused. And he writes, Paul, I enjoy your podcast and have sent financial support previously. I'm confused about something, however. Over the years, I've often heard you talk disparagingly about narcissists. On the latest episode, 188, you said, fucking narcissist. Later in the same program, a lady claims her father was a narcissistic asshole and you then said, I just wanted to cheer. I wonder why you don't have that same compassion, the same compassion for narcissism that you have for other mental illnesses. It seems to me that that is similar to cheering someone who calls a borderline personality person a bitch. Would you talk like that to a narcissist who was a guest on your show? I don't know any narcissists, so I don't take personal offense. I just don't understand the inconsistency. Nevertheless, you have a very unique and interesting podcast. Thanks. And I thought that was a great question, and so I emailed him back, and I said, um, while my intent wasn't to disparage people with narcissistic personality disorder, uh, I'm sure it probably comes across that way. What I really get mad at is people who only think of themselves when they're raising their kids. Uh, the narcissism of their actions more than those who are clinically defined. But your point is great, and... Um, Thank you. I I think it's it, it's unfortunate that the word um Herbert is of course doing his Thursday night digging because I've I'm I've got the microphone on. Why would he be quiet? Um it's unfortunate that there that the term narcissist um has kind of become equated with somebody who has narcissistic personality disorder and um it's because I'm not I'm I'm not meaning to dis- disparage people who suffer from the personality just more so the people that are why am I repeating what I said all right Um. oh there was one more thing I wanted to read where the fuck was that oh it's all going downhill and then I wanted to read this uh, this is from A listener who calls herself K-Bake, and this is from The Struggle in a Sentence, and about her, um, it's actually her husband's uh, struggle, but as you know, it affects the spouse, and she writes, my husband's OCD and depression. He is the sweetest human being, but he hears voices telling him to kill himself, kill me, kill our cats. Our marriage was so normal until it wasn't. Every time he hears the voice again, my heart sinks, and I know nothing will ever be the way we thought it was going to be. And then a snapshot from her life that highlights uh, her issues or struggles or her husband's. She writes, My husband's parents don't believe in mental illness. They are very conservatively religious and think it is a character weakness and caused by not having enough faith, not praying enough, Disobeying God, etc. After my husband got sick last summer, we met them at a restaurant to help them understand what was going on with him. His dad said it was probably because he was still watching Family Guy.
1: Oh God, I wish I didn't need to take meds. <laughs>
0: Pride like an animal. It makes me so mad at myself that I do that. The burden of perfectionism. And that's when I got to therapy. Let's talk about that. I was like,
1: fuck it. I'm alive. I don't give a shit about anything.
0: You are a shining example of what is best about human beings.
1: I'm worried that the uh, Russian militia is coming over the hill. I know that, uh, but uh, Alice, how you feeling? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Like this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm here with uh, with Lance. Uh, we're going to withhold his last name because he's currently in the army, and he hasn't currently come out to his family yet. Um, and he used some drugs when he was in the army. So let's just—he he is grimacing right yeah, now. Just up there. It, <laughs> is this hard for you to?
1: to no, no, to it's tell fine. Him? No, no. Okay, just, I think it's
0: funny. Okay, uh, thank you for for contacting me and for coming up here to tell your story. Um, gosh where would be uh where would be a good place to uh
1: to to start uh, i guess i guess the the beginning started at the beginning uh the beginning i guess okay um you're how old i'm twenty four you're a you're a young yeah i'm a baby i'm a baby um
0: and how long you're a uh an iraqi veteran yes yes sir how long did you serve over
1: there uh i was over there for a year one you know one year deployment yeah how was that uh, it was actually uh i i would like to be like you know I was like, i'm fucked up because of that no it was actually very calm um i work with a uh, jag in the army so like um i the, work the, the tv office. show jag yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh i was i was in the office i was in the office for a year you know and it was it was fun i learned a lot so like i what, didn't see anything crazy
0: what does jag stand for um jag- judge off, Advocate jag off?
1: general uh judge advocates general
0: okay uh, which basically means Oh uh, We
1: work with the law. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm okay. sorry. Yeah, we work with the law. Uh, I'm a paralegal okay. in the Army, so I work with JAG officers, which are civilian attorneys, but they go in the Army. They become JAG okay. officers, and that's what I used to do. I do. Um, still do.
0: And- I love the term "jag officers." It could so closely be <laughs> mispronounced as "jagoff." <laughs> Do you have you ever heard the term "jagoff"? Yes, I have. Okay, <laughs> I don't know if that's a Midwestern thing. Oh or no, no, no! Yeah. I've
1: heard it. I, I don't okay. use it, but yeah, I've heard.
0: it. It's such a Chicago thing. <laughs> yeah, fucking Jag-off. <laughs> yes,
1: uh, I prefer cunt. You are uh, from where? I'm, I'm from Fresno, California. California. Okay. Um. So what was uh what was childhood like? Uh, I was i had an interesting very very interesting childhood um my my grandparents are jehovah witnesses so that formed a lot of you know things that happened um i left with my mom a uh, traditional i don't want to say traditional but you know stereotypical black upcoming uh no dad single mom i had a sister and yeah that was it and um just coming up it was like i said it was interesting my uh my grandparents are jehovah witnesses so we were you know we had the black experience and that like we didn't have you know a dad in the home and stuff like that but because they're jehovah witnesses the the culture is a little skewed so you know um they don't celebrate birthdays and like they you know they don't celebrate holidays not just birthdays i don't care about birthdays but uh why is that um because they don't believe in them i guess like uh i don't they they don't celebrate birthdays because it's like worshiping yourself and you only worship mm-hmm. God, so you don't do that. Ooh,
0: that says a lot doesn't it? Yeah,
1: that? yeah. And they're oh God, yeah. They're oh. so, so I uh, would
0: imagine it would be hard to build self esteem uh in that en- oh, environment. Yeah,
1: this is very it's very cold. It's uh almost robotic, like, you know, and um and like I said, it was my grandparents, so it was a little removed so it wasn't directly in my house, but you know that that came, that was what my mom was under. So, like okay. I said, robotic.
0: That filters down, yeah. Yeah.
1: And my mom, yeah, just, I want to say robot, maybe robot. She's a robot. Was she well oiled? Uh, no. <laughs> 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 Unfortunately, not. <laughs> um, yeah. So, growing up in a house, um, with that was weird. Uh, my mom she is i don't know um i'm still i'm still going through issues with her like big time uh she i want to say my life was a chapter like it's chapters based on who she was dating you know what i mean by that i do yes i do
0: i i get so many emails and surveys filled out by people whose lives were so dramatically affected by not even the people that their parent was living with, but the parent that they were seeing. mm mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. Person that their parent was, yeah. yeah.
1: And it's it's sad because it's just like you wanna you wanna have a you know. When I was a little kid, I loved my mom. You know, I was a lot of respect for. Her. And then, like as I started getting older and seeing that trend, you it's hard. You know, it's hard to respect someone when it's just like like you said, they do they do whatever their spouse is doing. So. Like, I joke about it all the time, but like, if my mom's boyfriend's a ninja, my mom would be into ninja stuff, you know? Scuba diver, she's like, whatever it is, you know? And, uh, you almost have to joke about it because it's, it's fucked up. You know, you
0: gotta wonder too when that's... That seems like that's so related to if their upbringing is where their humanity is desired by, d- denied by a really imposing structure mm-hmm. by the people that that raise them, where any sense of personality or individual individuality is crushed for you know the quote unquote higher purpose mm-hmm. that the the people raising them believe is good for them. That person grows up, man, just so desperately trying to find out who they are. And it, it makes sense that she would lose herself in these relationships because imagine in her mind that was a chance for her to try to form an identity. But how unfortunate for you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, very unfortunate. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. That's, that, that's what it was like. Like, I remember when I was a small kid. Uh, well, not, well, yeah. Um, my mom's first major boyfriend was uh, when we were about four years old, and that's when it started. So, like Brothers you know, and
0: sisters? How,
1: um, how? Oh, what do you mean?
0: How, did you have any brothers and oh, sisters? Oh, yeah. I have
1: one sister who's older, and um, we have a funny, I guess I'll get to it later, but she's half white. Mm-hmm. And you know uh, that, that was kind of interesting growing up. So he um, had a little, a little light-skinned baby and a little chocolate baby in the same house, and it was very interesting growing up with that. And um, yeah, so... Me and my sister, uh, we, we all lived in a house with my my mom, her sister, and her and my mom's sister, my aunt's husband, and her kid, and we were kind of like, just like a big family in the house and uh, loved it, loved it. You know, before, that was like when it was good. Uh, everybody liked each other in the house, you know, nobody was, you know, doing anything to us. It was good. And then she met her, I guess, first, like I said, first major boyfriend that I could remember, and uh, his name was Ivan. Oh, man. Ivan the Terrible Ivan the Terrible oh man uh, I hope he hears this um, Ivan we once again my mom we moved in with this guy my mom must have known him for a couple months we moved in with this guy and I'm four my sister is five and he has a kid who's my age four and uh, we all were just this weird family and we lived in a one bedroom apartment And uh, we went from living with our family, loving environment to, you know, one-bedroom apartment with my mom and her boyfriend. And Where
0: did everybody sleep in a one-bedroom? We slept,
1: they slept in their room, and then me, my sister, and my stepbrother, we all slept in the living room. And we were just like, like, I just remember there was a long couch. Me and my brother would sleep on one, I would sleep on the end, he would sleep on the end, and my sister would sleep on this other couch alone. And that was, that was brief. That was brief, but it happened, and it was just weird. Well, at least the TV's there if you Oh if yeah. You well, yeah, watch yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we always got the TV. And yeah, it was it was it was crazy and I remember we stayed there I think maybe a year, maybe a year. It wasn't real long but we had started school and we were going to school and they used to make us walk to school like to the school bus and mind you it's a five-year-old like you know i'm thinking about it back then it would seem normal but like they're sending a a, a five-year-old two five-year-olds and a six-year-old to walk to a bus stop like that's pretty far and you know that was who we yeah. were dealing with and um i remember like oh this was this was a big thing uh, i remember like we lived there and my sister she had her dad um and my stepbrother had his mom and they would leave to go with their other you know their their parents in the summer and uh, it would just be me because I didn't know my dad, you know, uh, I didn't have a dad. So I would stay with my mom and her boyfriend and um, it kind of they would just like leave me to my own devices. And luckily, I wasn't bad. Like, but like I would be like, hey, I want to make cereal. And they'd be like, "Go make cereal, you know. And as a four year old, five year old, I would just go make cereal. You know, it became very self-sufficient that way. And um One of the big memories, I remember my sister, my sister and my brother, they were out of town for the summer um, with their, you know, prospective parents. And uh, my sister had been talking to my my her dad, her actual dad, who um, we attributed this to him being a white man. But he was hearing things and he was just like, fuck this. What are you doing? Like, you know, like this is not how you raise kids. Because my sister just told him, like, just general truths, like, oh, we eat noodles. We eat Top Ramen a lot and you know they uh they beat us and you know uh beat spankings whatever you want to call it you know we was getting those uh i don't think it was i don't think it was excessive at that point i didn't think it was excessive but we were getting them and uh you know she told him all these things and he called cps and he called cps cps comes over to the house and um I, as a five-year-old, I believe, maybe four or five, four or five, whatever, um, the CPS tells my parents, they come, you know, unannounced, of course, they come and they tell my parents, like, uh, they send me, they go in the room with me and talk to me, and they, you know, make my parents go out. And five-year-old me, in my head, knew that these people were here to take me if they, if, you know, if they... If you said the wrong thing. If I said the right or the truth, you know? Sure. (laughs) Yeah, the wrong thing in my head. So, I... I lied at five. I knew to lie and I lied and they were like, yeah, do you guys get spankings? And I was just like, no, they they take us in a room and they talk to us. And I'm like, what the? You know, in my head. Even at the time, I was like, this is a fucking lie. I've never been talked to, you know. Yeah. So uh, I lie, and I, I just pretty much anything they said that seemed bad, I just said the opposite. You know, I just knew to do it to protect. You know, my mom. You were a little adult. Oh man, I was a little, very precocious, little precocious shit. I was, and um, they, they leave, they leave, and of course nothing happens. And I just remember. Uh, my mom and her and her boyfriend at the time, I remember Ivan was happy because, you know, they didn't get in trouble because I lied. And they knew I lied. And you know what they did? They rewarded me for lying. I remember I, got, I was taking the Chuck E. Cheese or somewhere for lying. <laughs> and, oh, my God. Like... I think even at the time, I felt uncomfortable. Like, Ugh. is there
0: a special pizza for a domestic abuse cover up? I don't know. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, the meat is bruised on the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. <laughs> yeah. So yeah that that was probably like one of the bigger memories of back then. I'm so sorry
0: that yeah you, you know I joke about it but mm. it, it, I'm so sorry that that.
1: You had to go through uh such uh abandonment. Yeah. And you know what? I swear, even at the time, like, I'm justifying it in my head because I'm like, it was not that bad. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, back it, then it was not that bad. <laughs> kids are so
0: resilient. They don't think of it as abandonment. They're just like, oh, all right, okay, you know, I'll deal with this and then I'll get to play. Because you got so much stuff to look forward yeah. to. I think sometimes as a kid, tomorrow you got that inherent inci- excitement in you that gets you through it. It's... um it's it's later when i think the that kid energy starts to go away Mm -hmm. that the that the real feelings start to to surface yeah um give me some other snapshots from Um, from childhood
1: so, okay, so we moved out. We moved out of that place, um, down the street. But, um, this full blown, like, we live together. This is your stepdad, you know. And, um, he was abusive. Like, before he was not so much. But yeah, when we moved here, he got into abuse mode. And, um, after you moved out, after we moved into another place with him. So oh, we moved okay. into a two bedroom. I'm I sorry. See. I didn't clarify that. Uh, we moved to a two bedroom. So it was like full blown, like, this is your family, you know. And, uh, oh, so. Ivan was crazy person, uh, and I say crazy, like, he hasn't been diagnosed, but paranoia is something, you know, and he would, um, he never hit my mom, but he would hit us, and um, I, re- like, now, even now, I look at pictures, and I remember I was looking at a picture a while ago, and there was a gash on the side of my face, and I was looking at it, like, where the hell did that come from, and I think it was from one of the times he hit me, you know, and it's just like, are you you know like a gash? Yeah. Wow! <laughs> and, and yeah, and and um, one of the one of the worst ones I could remember was uh it didn't even happen to me. I was uh, I was in, we had a like real small place, and my sister was coming out of the bathroom, and he was going into his bedroom, and he walks past my sister, and she's about to go in our room, and he like lifts his hand up for something, and because he hits us all the time, she flinched. You know, because oh, you know it's natural, and he she flinches, and then he says, "What the fuck are you flinching for?" and he punches her in the head, and my sister, I believe, was seven or eight, punched in the head by a grown man, you know she- and then it it got dropped right there, like that was just how he handled it. You flinch, you get punched, she goes in the room, she's crying, of course, and that that happened and was your mom, my there? mom, yeah, she was there, but she Even to this day, we like was living two different worlds. Like we were living in a hell; we were getting beat by this man, and she was living in just like I guess ignorant bliss, where she was just with her man, and you know I got my man and my kids, you know, and that's what she was living in. And if we tell her today, even now, like she'll she'll tell you, I don't remember all that. We're like, Mom, we're telling you. Like, do do you need to remember it? We're telling me and your daughter are telling you that this was going on. She just. And it wasn't like he would. It wasn't like he would sneak in a room and do any of these things. He would do it very publicly. He didn't care, you know. He would do it
0: in front of her. Do you, he would just do it. Do <laughs> you ever remember him hitting you, and then you looking at your mom and trying to make eye contact with her to see if she saw?
1: Never, never. Because she wasn't there for it, you know. Uh, it, it you did. mean she was there physically, but yes. not emotionally? Yes. Like I knew that wasn't an option. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah, this is my life, like you know, just like kids, just like kids do. Every Put time. your head just... down
0: and hope it's as short as possible.
1: Yeah, and um, and um, he also had this weird thing where he would um, we tease, we joke about it now, but uh, me and his son, me and my stepbrother, uh, he he used to beat us for no reason, but he would justify it as um, we had attitudes or like uh, our spirits weren't right. And uh this is the least spiritual motherfucker you will ever meet. He's sitting here telling us our spirits aren't like you know, and I'm just like, What? Even as a kid it was absurd, like, (laughs) oh you and we would come sucking your thumb, you're full of shit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and we would come we would come in the we would come in the house from school and I remember we would all before we would go in the house try to compose ourselves in a way what we thought that would work better because we didn't know what would work. It would just be like if he felt that our spirits were bad or we had an attitude, he would call it, he would whoop, he would beat us. Oh, I feel like you got attitude. We get a beating. And you know, at the time, we didn't think about like how fucked up he what like what happened to you to like well you need to like you know blow off steam on kids. But yeah, so did you blame yourselves? or Did you know that he was fucked I up? Oh no, we that? knew he was crazy, but well, that's you know. good. <laughs> but we we just downplayed it. So like you know, we knew we knew like oh this motherfucker crazy, but we just downplayed it so much where it was just like like this is just how it is for us. We didn't really you know we didn't have the the words. We didn't have the words to, to to explain why it was so wrong, but we just knew it wasn't, you know, it was him. Yeah. It was his problem. He was sick. Uh how do you think that's affected you today? Um Have you been able to make any any links between that and Um I I think I'm I'm very um cold. I guess would be the word like um I I have a very uh, kind of like how your sense of humor is like <laughs> I, I listen to this podcast uh, yeah. no, like you know you'll you'll hear something really fucked up you'll just instantly make a joke you know kind of yeah. like that and it's just like that's that's a coping mechanism.
0: What do you here's something that I find myself doing when there's something really sad on the news and somebody you know next to me will be crying, I'll think to myself why can't you cry about this. You know, I'll, Mm -hmm. I'll, that's not to say that I don't ever cry, um, but I find myself sometimes just so oddly numb Mm -hmm. about darkness and pain in the world, Mm -hmm. almost like I'm watching it from a spaceship. Yeah. Do Mm -hmm. you, do you experience that? Um. Or do you find yourself getting emotional sometimes?
1: I, I feel, I feel angry most of the time, like, you know, um. I feel more angry than anything. I don't feel, I feel sad because why is the world like this? But, um, I don't know. I kind of cope with it in a way where it's just like, yeah, shit happens, you know? And I don't understand people that are beside themselves with like, you know, people that are crying. I'm like, come on now. But at the same time, I do feel like I'm able to, um, to feel, I guess, you know,
0: it's just anger. Yeah, I, get being mad. Well, I
1: get, I get mad. Like, especially, you know, there's a lot going on with cops killing people right now. Like, I just get Dude. mad about it, you know? And um what'd you think when you saw the
0: Ferguson thing? Uh here we go again.
1: Here, uh, yeah, yeah, but like um talk about this a lot with my friends. Um I get mad because it 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 tells the world, it tells America that that people that look like me don't matter. And that makes me really mad because you know, I look like me. You know, like I am a I am a I don't want to say taxpaying. that's corny, but I I'm a good person. I work every day, I I the contribute to society, country. I serve the country, if I were to get pulled over and they didn't know all those things about me, they would assume the worst, and I couldn't possibly be a, you know, Mike Brown or, you know, any one of those guys that just got shot, so that really, it scares me, it makes me not want to have anybody in this world that, that you know, it makes me not want to bring anybody into the world, you know, like a kid, because it's just like, I don't want you to have to go through this shit, this is bullshit. Do you feel like we're making progress? Um, yes, I do feel like we're making progress. But I think when it, it situations like this just lets you see how far we have to go. What
0: does it make you feel when somebody says... Don't have racism. We got a black president. I'll
1: slap him in the face. I really, just I really want to f- slap him in the face. Like, like I said, I feel anger and <laughs> in, the, in the most zen way as possible, but anger. Cause so stupid. And I think. um they can say that because it doesn't affect them, but if it were ever ever wherever to affect them, then they could see. Like I mean, like you could look at the news now. Like they 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 paint these kids as bad people. They paint them as thugs. Are they even justified? Well, Lance,
0: people? they are coming from a convenience <laughs> store, which we know is a hotbed of criminal activity.
1: There's, there's cigarettes there, there's liquor. Uh, yeah, I, exactly. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, oh, oh, um, he. Anything they say, like they they'll say like, oh, he was this, he was that does that mean he deserves to be gunned down? And, and you know, in a in a in a in a most this it's just an undignified way to go out of the world where you're you're just existing. Somebody's scared of you because they don't get it, they don't understand it. They have a, you know, preconceived idea of what you are, they don't like it and they kill you and they're able to do that because they're cops. And, you know, and they get suspended and that's it. And now there's someone dead. Like, there's a, you know, and I don't think that we should be so trivial about human life.
0: I think that's an understatement. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, and we should not be so trivial or cold towards it. It should not be like, we should not have to justify why it's wrong to kill a person.
0: Have you, do you go through periods or have you gone through periods in your life where, you hated white people?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say maybe... Um, no, nah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm a little weird because uh, I have extreme anger towards some white people, but it's not all white people because I'm no better than the racist white people if I hate all white people. And uh, my sister's half white, you know? So, like, I, I have this... Weird perspective, where it's just like you know, I can't hate. You know, I love my sister. I love you know, I can't, I I can't find it in myself to be like, oh, I hate white people because that's who my that's part of my sister's identity. But at the same time, you know, yes, um, it's easy. You know, <laughs> you you watch Roots and it's like all oh, these white, you know, these crack well, you know, all of that <laughs> stuff. It, it, it's easy. It comes natural, but you just have to understand there are white people that are bad, but there are also black people that are bad. So yeah. people are bad. Can be, yeah me
0: some other snapshots from from your <laughs> life.
1: Let's talk about your
0: your um coming to terms with your with your sexuality. I can't remember
1: in your email if you said you identify as gay or bi. I think I'll say gay, I guess, but um, I want to say pansexual and that, uh, like, if I, because I've met trans people that I'm like, oh, I would date that person, you know, mm-hmm. and so, I don't know, I think that's what it is. Um, for me, it's just really about, like, a, if I can be with somebody that understands me and likes me without, you know, any judgment, I don't really care what you are, you know. That's so could, beautiful. Yeah, if I could get that, then that's what I'll, that's what I'll go with, and, so when when did you uh when did you know that you uh that you're that you weren't straight this is good um how do you mean this is good oh no because i i know a lot of people that didn't know until they were like adults sometimes or like you know are older teenagers i knew when i was a little kid like maybe five or six like early really early uh i was very precocious so you know but like yeah i knew it very early cuz i remember we would watch we would watch tv And it would be like a naked guy or something, and I would feel a certain way, and it would be like, oh, you know, and I would kind of know like, oh, you shouldn't feel that way about that, but I would. And then um, I remember I used to have like, um, I used to repeat like mantras in my head as a kid, like, I'm not gay, I'm not gay, I'm not gay, because I didn't want to be gay because it's bad you know jehovah witnesses gay people go to hell they're you know you're gonna get aids and die you know that's that's what you know i grew up hearing and uh you know um black culture no we don't do you know we don't do that you don't do that you're you're a boy you don't cry you kill things and you eat meat you know that's what little boys do so um you, everybody around you is homophobic and they're saying all these awful things. You learn, like, for your own survival, just to shut the fuck up and, like, pussy. You know, like, oh, <laughs> I like, yeah, this, <laughs> where's the pussy? You know? Uh-huh. And, and I went through, I went through phases in middle school where we just, well, like, in middle school and high school it was weird. Um, I knew I was not straight, but I never acted on it at all. So I was essentially just straight. Like, you know, uh, I was not, but you know what I mean? As far as would like. would you date? Yeah, like, girls? well, I didn't, I don't, I don't date anybody. That's my, I'm a... But did you t- as a cover-up? No, like, uh, like, well, I would try and stuff, but like, you know, I actually was attracted to them. So, you know, it was just that. And You're I Attracted to the women? Yes. Okay. So, and I wasn't actually like, uh yeah, I was never acted on uh any gay feelings or anything like that. So it was kind of weird. It was like after school ended is when I was just like, well, this is what I do, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. And so... What do you remember about your first experience?
1: Oh, well, was the worst? <laughs> Why is that? Uh, uh, it was Craigslist. <laughs> yeah. Craigslist is the devil. Um, yeah, it was. Um, I don't know if I've ever
0: heard of, of a positive Craigslist experience. They
1: don't exist. Um, I think a we need po- to talk to Craig. We should. That motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, he. he ooh. <laughs> um, it's it's what it is. Is a. I think a, a a a good Craigslist experience is if you are alive at the end of it. So, <laughs> so <laughs> Paul Grimmart laughing. Uh, so, you know, technically, I've had all good, you know, experiences, yeah. but. Uh, the first one was just like ugh. I love that an Iraqi
0: war veteran is like, oh Craigslist is fucking dangerous. Oh, it's
1: the worst. Way yeah, it's worse than Iraq. I, I can give it that. Um, the first one, I think I was nineteen and I went on Craigslist and you know I was um, perusing and um, somebody I got a hit. You know I got a hit and um, and I go I go to this place. And it was just like this meetup where it's just like is this the place and you know, you had a call, hey, I'm outside. And um a door opens up and there's this older it was just like this older white guy. He was like maybe in thirty up higher thirties, maybe forty. Um and um Good looking dude, like in good shape and stuff, not like creeper looking, but, um, we, we fool around and it turns out we're in someone's fucking house and it's not his. <laughs> and I'm just like, what the fuck is this? You know, yeah. and then, and then, and then, oh, oh, I remember the first thing I say to him was, um, I said, what's up? I'm like, what's good? Cause I think, like, you know, we're about to do stuff. We should probably talk. Yeah. He says, this dick is good. And he walks out of the room and goes oh. into the bedroom. And I'm like, all right. Is that what this is going to be? Like, is this... (laughs) This
0: dick is good. This
1: dick. (laughs) This dick is what's good. It it was just one of those, like, okay. You know, like, okay, this is... And that was your first experience. First experience. Oh, I'm so sorry. uh, It kind of laid the groundwork. It it hasn't gotten better. (laughs) Oh, God.
0: Yeah, so... Is there some place that you can find
1: guys that is better than that mean um, yeah i mean there are a lot but um i don't know it's a <laughs> you know you know the issues run deep it's uh i think it's just one of those
0: how, how, how so the issues run deep you're afraid of of being too out in public with it you want to kind of keep it secretive and well
1: back then definitely back then it was all about just like and you were how old when that i was happened? 19 okay. i had just like um came back from boot camp and i had my own apartment so like you know freedom um and yeah back then it was definitely about that because i lived in fresno fresno a small town and it's just like you know somebody sees you doing anything or they see you with anybody you know everybody knows is there a gay bar in fresno um yeah. yeah yeah oh definitely but same thing same thing yeah. you know someone the wrong person sees you and they say like oh i saw so-and-so here then you know the whole town knows about it and you know i wasn't ready for that uh, I mean, I haven't come out to my everybody yet. So like, I haven't sti- come out
0: to your parents. Right? No, no. Or, but you don't don't know your dad. Have you ever met your dad? Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, I that's right. In your email, you said that you just you finally met my dad. I just met him like in May, first time ever. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. Should we
0: should we jump into that now, or was there uh, some more stuff from
1: uh, childhood? I want to fast forward through childhood, like uh, go back to it, but like yo, know, I'll try to abbreviate it because I know we only got like. A little bit of time, yeah. um, so yeah, yeah, I get to that, um, so when we're talking about gay stuff, I guess go back a little before that, okay, so just big- a bigger snapshot so uh, of my story, I guess, my origin story, um, so, mom with Ivan, Ivan leaves my mom, so I'm back, we're back like seven eight, Ivan leaves my mom, uh he. He uh they're fighting a lot. He's not happy. She's not happy. Uh he just leaves. Like he takes all his shit and he leaves. He moves out. And my mom uh like I said she's cold. Mom doesn't cry. Uh she cries. You know, it's mm-hmm. one of those things. Like she's crying. She's devastated. I'm just like, "Oh shit. You know, it's getting real in here." And um my mom cries because of that. Uh Ivan moves out. He moves um to the next town over. Um, which is like connected to it's pretty much Fresno, mm-hmm. but it's called Clovis. And it's like a little smaller town where all the white people go to get away from all the people in Fresno. And that's Clovis. And that's where Ivan moved to. And um, she ends up finding them. And they end up kind of talking again. You know what ends up happening? Ivan ends up coming, not coming back to live with us, but always being there and still hitting us. And at this point, I think we're getting fed up, like, you know, as children. We're like, "What? The, this is bullshit. You know, like, the beast just left. Now the beast visits and beats us. Like, what the fuck is this? Oh, he's got the best of both worlds. Yeah. He can beat kids and he doesn't have to pay rent. Exactly, exactly. And he gets some booty, you know. So yeah. this motherfucker just levelling it up. So... He, uh, I'm sorry, there's anger here. I need to get nice. No, Uh, (laughs) let it out, man. If you want to scream, scream. Oh, man. So, so Ivan's still beating us, and I, fuck, I forgot how old I was at this point. Maybe eight or nine, and I remember I was sick of it. Uh, I had gotten in trouble for something, and Ivan tells me, uh... You know, he's coming. He's a schedule ass whooping. like, you know, like if he had an assistant, she would have been marking them shits on her calendar. Cause like he would, he scheduled an ass whooping with me and it was like for the next day. And he tells me like, Oh, I've been waiting on like, 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 well, he's a sadist. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, like pretty much like, Oh, I've been waiting on your ass to mess up. Like he said something along those lines, like, Oh, I'm gonna get you good. And for some reason in my, in my kid mind, I think like, aside from me just being sick of getting hit by this man, I was just like, you know what? For some reason, I thought this one was going to be worse or something. And I was just like, I'm done. I'm done. And I decided to run away, you know, run away from home. And uh, I got the idea because my sister had done it years before. And, like, you know, she was only gone for a day, but she ran away. So I was like, I'm running away. Fuck this shit. So my mom used to leave for work, I think, like, 530, like, faithfully every morning. So my mom goes to work. Ivan said he was coming. It was probably like 8. He was going to come at 8 to whoop me. So I had a schedule to get my ass whooped. So I was like, it's easy to get your ass whooped or get out of here." So I'm out. So uh, I I did the prison thing. I played a basketball where my you know where my bed was, and I stuffed the you know <laughs> stuffed the bed. um I took I took a knife. I took a little little kitchen knife because I was like I might have to protect myself. You're sick people. So I took a knife and I just go. I leave and. Um, and, you know, this is a little kid world, so I'm all in this, like, maybe, like, 20-block radius, but I'm out of there. So I go to my—I remember I went to my little cousin's school. She went to school down the street to, to like, have my, my Bonnie, you know, like, I'm coming to pick her up, like, hey— Uh, I ran away come with me and she's just like I got to go back to class you know (laughs) she's like she's a year younger than me so I think she was like eight so she's like I gotta go I'm not going with you so I'm like damn it so I leave and I go to the mall because I don't know where else to go Uh, everything's closed it's like early in the morning so I go to the mall and I remember um I needed some money to get some food because I was hungry so I go to the, the the wishing well and I'm just picking quarters out of the wishing well to get money to go get food and um I just hear drop it and I turn around the security guard catches me and um, he he walks up he walks up and like you know he sees a kid stealing out of wishing well Like, what the hell are you doing and um, I'm not a religious man I don't believe in God but uh, this is weird the knife that was in my it was like in my breast pocket of my coat flies out it just decides to come out right now so it comes out and it hits the it hits the counter and the guy, you know, he sees a kid with a knife. Now he's like, oh, shit, what is going on? So he he obviously, alarms goes off. He takes me in the office and he tells me, uh, he's like, what the hell? You know, he asked me what's going on. I don't know why this time was different as far as Ivan trying to hit me. I spilled all the beans. Like, you know, I went back to that time where I lied. And I'm like, I'm not lying anymore for this motherfucker. Like, you know, you get what you get. You know, I'm telling the truth. So I told the security guard everything he hits me, he smokes weed, you know, this is back in the day, weed was illegal, he smokes weed, he keeps it in a little brown box, I was telling everything, and the security guard called CPS, everybody comes, they take me home, you know, they're interviewing my mom, they're interviewing me, and I don't know what ends up happening, Uh, nothing ends up happening, but um, what ended up happening in my home is uh, Ivan, he kind of got the idea to back off, because you know he he saw like, oh, the kids are fighting back, you know, so he did back off, but my mom beat me really bad for this. We would get beat by our mom, but you know it would just be like whatever he did, most of the beatings, but like she beat me like it was like a special whooping because I told on her, her boyfriend. And, you know, you know, we're talking about what that does to you. It's just like, yeah, like, this is not my, this is not someone that's going to protect me. This person gets mad when you tell the truth for, you know, trying to protect yourself. And, yeah, and I, that might have been, now that I'm talking about it, that might have been where, like, my mom had, like, that, you know, that, that, what, like, metaphysical death for me. Like, oh, you're dead to me. You're not a person. And, like, it was just kind of, after that, it was just kind of history. So, so I think that was important to tell because yeah, you that think was just, that was just me. Yeah. Me deciding to like fight back. So we let's just pause there for yes, a second. Yeah, Soak.
0: <laughs> soak that in Lance. Oh, I man. mean, that is buddy. I just want to give you a hug, man. Oh, man. I mean, that is some... you and everybody else. <laughs> Oh, man. Are you uncomfortable right no, now?
1: No, no. I just, I think it's funny because, you know, I've I've been through this. That's why I'm just kind of like, eh, <laughs> that happened. I mean, that,
0: that just takes my breath away. Yeah. it <laughs> just takes my breath away. And you know, I hear a lot of stuff. Yeah. On the yeah. podcast. hmm
1: Have you ever cried about it? Uh, no, not really. Not really um i'm learning crying. that crying's good uh i cry i try to cry once a year <laughs> <laughs> i try to get my what's your favorite time christmas when uh you- <laughs> no no because christmas uh i guess we'll get there but that's a bad time for me uh i know it's uh normally i like crying on a car uh listening to a song and i just like kind of think and i and i cry and it's a good cry and then i feel like i take a bath and i'm just like okay uh, next year Sometimes well thank,
0: well, thank god you've, you you you're able to let some of that stuff out but it, it's never about your life it's always about uh the song the song just brings up feelings or, oh, just, or is there no do you
1: make connections no it's just well it's just a like songs you know it gets you in the mood it's not a specific song it's just sometimes i just go drive listen to music i think about everything and i just let it out
0: Okay, so you do think about your life. Oh there, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, it's not it. just the song because sometimes a song will make me cry, oh, no, but no, I don't, no. I don't go, oh, that that's why I'm. I just think, oh, that's a beautiful melody. Yeah, and, yeah. That that's why.
1: No, 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 right. no. It's the it's the stuff. But, like, it's funny because this stuff, like, right now, this is me revisiting. That's why it's kind of like... That's why, like, you know, you're like, oh, no, I got to be... I'm like, what? This is my life. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, I'm revisiting because I don't ever really think about it much. Have you processed it with a therapist? No. I I had a therapist, oh, like, maybe sometime last year or maybe even longer. I had a therapist a while ago, and I didn't care for her. Um, She was a... Uh, she was more impressed about my life than 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 willing to help me so so it seemed. Cause like uh when I say that, like uh I told her I do stand up. Mm. And she was asking me questions about that and it was kinda like it didn't it wasn't about helping me, it was just like, like about she was interest. fascinated by yeah, show yeah, yeah. business really. Like she was interested in what I did. That's what I mean. She was interested in my I life see. as it was, not you know, the stuff that we need to be talking about.
0: I, I gotcha.
1: And um and I got the sense that I was smarter than her. Um which is, you know, it's just like, you're telling me stuff I can tell myself. I don't need this.
0: You f- you felt like you were emotionally more intelligent than, than her. Or you mean <laughs> book smarts both, as well. Just okay. both,
1: I guess. I don't know. Because, felt- you know, my
0: feeling about, about therapy is a lot of people may be book smarter than their therapist, but mm-hmm. it's about emotional yes. uh, emotional tools and emotional processing. I mean, um. Yeah, that's the that's the important thing. And I, I just want to say that so that people out there who are, quote unquote, brilliant um, and think that it's you got to find somebody, you know, who has more degrees than you or whatever, that it it's um, that's that's a myth. It's about finding somebody who you feel feels you.
1: Oh, well, then that, that was part of, I guess, two sides of the same coin is that. She showed that by being interested in things that were not going to help. You know, like, yeah. oh, so when's the last time you had a show and stuff like that? And it's Th- like. that That's a bad therapist. Exactly. So that's why I was like, I don't want you. Like, you know, uh, yeah. if you ever want to have drinks, we can do that. But, you know, yeah. if uh, we want to help me, I'm going to need to find somebody So else. what about finding another therapist? Uh, I I am not in the process, but I'm planning on it. So okay. I need to get there. If
0: money is an issue, Google Lofi therapy in uh-huh. the name of your uh, town or city. And you live uh, just south. Of uh, uh, here, you live in Long Beach, yes. so I'm sure there's a ton of oh, therapists yeah, yeah. there. Um, you can also dial 211 and find uh, services. Now, I would imagine you don't want to do it through the VA because you don't want it on your record. Um. Or am I wrong?
1: The the stigma is actually changing about mental health in the military, so I don't mind it. Cause, Thank um, God. Yeah, it's changing. It's changing. Um, they're the, the military is making a big emotional shift. Now, mind you, there should be an asterisk next to that because it's military. But it's still better. It's better than it's ever been. They, they're far more conscious towards mental health.
0: And vets are killing themselves. Returning vets are killing themselves at one an hour.
1: Oh, yeah. It's bad. It's bad. And, you know... Yeah.
0: <laughs> More vets have died by their own hand than have in the, in the wars. War. Yeah. Um the recent wars. Uh was there any other uh oh, yeah. snapshots from Oh
1: yeah, we're revisiting, sorry. Uh next chapter. Uh my mom ends up finding another man and uh this one was this one was good because um I came home one day. I'm like in the sixth grade now, I'm about twelve. I come home one day and there's this big ugly tall really dark african guy in my house and i'm like mom who is this and she's like oh this is um anthony and i'm like okay she's like this is my husband what yeah and I'm like, excuse you, beg pardon? She's like, and she's laughing, she's smiling. She thinks this is cute. Oh, this is my husband. And I'm like, uh, once again, excuse me. She's like, yeah, we 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 got married at the court and they got married because uh, my mom was talking to somebody at her job. Uh, this guy needed a green card. That's why I say it was oh. African because it, you know, oh. it was relevant. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, he needed a green card and she married him so he could get a fucking green card. And I, I guess he gave her some money. mm but instead of just like, you know, that's your business, mom. That has nothing to do with your kids right now. She moved this motherfucker in our house. So now, you know, we go from we go from Ivan and then we go from Ivan to nothing, which you know, we're happy with nothing. My mom works all the time. She's also a workaholic. So like we were happy cuz it's like, listen, both of our tormentors are gone. Our mom's not here. Ivan's gone. We're free. We could do whatever we want. Then, you know, this guy comes and we're like, fuck. Again, and then this guy, he wasn't as bad as Ivan. He didn't hit us, but then at this point, we were teenagers. We were both not having it, you know, me and my sister. And, um, and, uh, he just lived in our house and he didn't, he didn't pay any bills. He would eat all our food. We were really poor, so food mattered. Um, and he would like be really possessive over weird things like the phone, like he would hide the phone. The house phone, like, so we couldn't use it. Weird stuff. He would take the, at one point, he would take the phone to work with him so no one could use the phone. What? Yeah. And, like, we, and, you know, like, it's funny because he was doing this and this was all big stuff for him. We didn't care because we had, like, a neighborhood, you know, community group that we, we're just going outside all day, come home that's all it was that
0: probably saved you huh
1: oh it did you know i had great time like with my friends but at home it was it wasn't it wasn't miserable like with ivan it was just weird like you know we have this that is weird we just have this african guy that doesn't want us to use the phone in our house like how weird you know that's just a weird fact so um and my mom's always at work and um so that was our existence for a while then um this i don't know this is confirmed confirmed or not and this is not my story, so i don't want to tell it but i think Um, this, this man, I think he sexually abused my sister, like touching or something because, uh, she ran away from home Mm. and, um, my sister, she was a little, she's going to hit, she going to get mad at me. She, she knows, uh, she was a little fast, you know, she was a little, she was like a little girl that was very worldly. (laughs) Uh, very adult in her ways, and um, I think something happened with them. I wonder and, if that's
0: why he took the phone because he didn't want her to call when know. he wasn't there.
1: I don't know, and I don't know, and it's weird because I don't know when he had time to do anything because me and her slept in the same room, mm-hmm. and uh, we were always outside, and when we weren't outside, we were sleeping. How you mm-hmm. know? So I don't know, like you know. Uh, of course, I have no way of knowing, but yeah. So I believe something happened though. My sister runs away, a- and a lot of people do stuff too uh, at night yes come yes.
0: into the into the bedroom when the kid's sleeping
1: yeah 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 and I, yeah i'm guessing that's when it had to happen because i have no clue so um and me and my sister we barely start talking about it now but like you know this is just like the elephant in the room like what happened why'd you you know so, and she
0: hasn't said anything she or she's alluded to it she,
1: yeah yeah it was more alluded so okay. and it was very recent like a, last month this actually happened so she she runs away from home and not, she like, talked about it it was a month ago yes yes okay. I me and her talked about it and uh she would be a good guess um give her and, my name oh i will maybe uh yeah so uh she she runs away and not like cute run away like me like she's gone You know and um she runs away and i was so mad at her because she left me with our mom and you know it was just like listen you don't want to be here why do you think i want to be here you you got away i started to become a a bad kid more or less i mean acting out you know mad at my mom don't like my mom don't don't respect her nothing you know just kind of you know existing and um while we were there my mom ends up getting a, a new boyfriend a new boyfriend. in what ways were you acting out um i was i wasn't extremely bad, but like just a school like um um I kind of fell into the class clown role being being loud in class seeking attention that way uh being you know just being mean I think i probably was i probably was not a great person at the time as well um maybe i don't think I was a full blown bad person but you know i was i was i kind of believed what I was doing and saying, so you know it was like just like a shitty kid kid that talks a lot of shit cussing out teachers and getting kicked out of class all the time Uh, i didn't really ditch school but i used to get kicked out of school all the time my sister oh my sister has been gone this whole time mind you wow so um and did you know what was going on with her my sister okay so you know uh i don't want to tell her business but uh she was on the streets doing you know street work (laughs) more or less you know Mm -hmm. and uh damn she's got a Kill me. I don't want to shit on my sister. But, yeah, that's what she was doing, you know? And, oh, well, this whole time I was back at that other house, she actually came back. We recovered her. And uh, I just remember uh, when she came back, I seen her, and I just broke down crying. I was in the eighth grade. I was 14. And I broke down crying, and I just remember saying, I can't even look at you, you know? Because she looked changed? Well... No, it was because I I knew what she was doing. She left me with my mom. You know, like, more than anything, you left me with that. And you know what that's like. Like, me and my sister bond over that today. Like, we... You know, nobody knows what we went through but us because we were there, and it wasn't. It wasn't. It was a weird go through because you know, my mom wasn't on drugs. My mom did go to work every day. My mom was physically there, you know, and she was still awful. You know, sometimes I think that is more painful than the parent that physically leaves. I wish. I swear. I really. I I used to say it all the time, and I, I still mean it. I wish she was on drugs, then I would have an excuse for her behavior.
0: Well, I can tell you, uh, uh, love addiction that is a drug. It is a drug, and the pharmacy is in your brain, and that's one of the dangerous things is it's open twenty four hours oh, and love addicts live in a fantasy world where they they you know put this other person on a pedestal and they pour all of their all the things that they don't want to deal with in their life in their past they they Lose themselves in this other person so they don't have to. So mm-hmm. it's really the same as a drug. It's no different than somebody getting high. And <clears throat> people that go through with the withdrawal of a relationship um, will say that it's every bit as painful as going through a withdrawal from heroin. Sometimes, sometimes worse. Mm-hmm. So it it's a real thing. Yeah. Um, it it's yes, your mom had a choice. But in many ways, she really didn't with the because the disease makes the choice for you. So I know that doesn't make the pain any easier, but uh, I, I guess I want you to understand that your mom, if she is a love addict, which sounds like she is, um, she was up against a fucking beast, a beast that warps her reality. Oh, so
1: still happening. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, if I want to leave, I start a fight with my mom. Like you know, at this point, no respect. There's no respect at all. Just you know, oh, I want to leave. I'm gonna talk some shit, and she gonna be like, "Get out." And I'm like, "Thank you." And then, you know, I'm gonna go do what I do, and I will be back on Monday for school. And that's how every weekend went. I would leave for the weekend and come back on Monday for school. And it just that's that was my existence there. I I want to focus less
0: on the your mom and all of these guys. You know, there's a pattern here. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think the unless there's something dramatic about the difference between boyfriend number a and boyfriend number z okay i want to talk about you and your emotional inner life how this stuff has affected you okay
1: so okay so yeah i'll just fast forward to the point of me moving (laughs) uh this was the this was the last so this was the last straw i was senior in high school about to leave my mom is with this new guy i don't like him he um so I had a bank account because my recruiter hooked me up with a bank account and all this stuff. And my mom stopped paying me and giving me things because she thought I had money for some reason. So uh, I go to the bank one day and and it, it shows up that I um, pretty much, oh, you overdraft. You overdraft. Mm-hmm. What happened? You know, they're like, oh, you wrote a check. And I'm like, I did not write a check. And it turns out either my mom or her boyfriend wrote a check on my name. And I'm just like, OK. And um. I tell my mom, I go home and I tell her, I'm like, you know what, mom? Somebody wrote a check on my name. I think it was your boyfriend, and she tells me, um, "Oh no, that was me. I'll pay you back." And she walks right out of my room. She doesn't acknowledge anything, and I don't know why that was it. That was the last straw. I was just like, "Fuck this! I'm done with all of you people." And I just fucking, I'm like, I call my best friend and I'm like, "I'm, I'm, I'm going over your house." I'm, and I just moved. I moved out, and uh, I never went back. I never went back if I ever went back it was a get close, but I never went back to spend a night and it's been that way that was when I was 17 I have not been back to my mom's house and um and I think that's when our relationship died officially it was already you Did, know you talked to her since then no we talk but it okay. died right there though. I say like it didn't get like emotionally didn't go anywhere um I talked to my mom it's routine yeah it's routine so that that was it and then I joined the Army.
0: Herbert's telling us that we need to take a uh, little break right here. Um, I want to tell you guys about uh, our sponsors, GoDaddy. Uh, GoDaddy is releasing hundreds of new domains that tell people who you are and what you do. Um, Some of the new ones they have are .guru, uh, .club, .photography, uh, .expert, and uh, there's options for just about... Everything that you would uh, that would you would want to secure for your uh, little piece of online virtual real estate um, I agonized long and hard about uh trying to to find the perfect name for this website because I felt like the mental illness happy hour dot com was was too long and so uh I found MetalPod. and uh you know when you find the right name it's uh it's nice to find a place where you can purchase it that's simple that's easy, that's dependable, um, that has an interface that's easy to navigate because some of these, these sites where you purchase domain names, uh, they were, uh, designed by people that don't have the, uh, they assume that you are as tech savvy as they are. And, um, that, that can be a real pain in the ass, but you don't have to worry about that with GoDaddy. And um, if you visit GoDaddy.com and enter promo code MENTAL199, you will save 30% on your order. And some limitations apply. See the website for details. But once again, go to GoDaddy.com and enter prom- promo code MENTAL199 to save 30% on your order. I want to also welcome a new sponsor to our show, Harry's. They make uh, razors, uh, shave cream, and replacement razor blades, and they sent me um, their $15 pack, uh, which has a razor with a blade, uh, the moisturizing, shave cream, and three replacement blades, and I love it. It's half the price of what you would pay for an eight-pack of blades at the drugstore, and these are delivered right to your door, so you don't have to go to the drugstore. You don't have to wait for the person to open the case uh, you know, as if you're purchasing the Hope Diamond. But most importantly, uh, Harry's is—it's it, really high-quality stuff. The first time I squeezed their shaving cream out into my hand, it smells really peppermint, and my, my first instinct was I wanted to go decorate a cake and eat it. It just smells so good. Um, the blades are really high quality, um, and it's a close shave. Uh, my face is so soft when I'm out in public. People think it's a baby's butt, and they try to diaper my face. I might be exaggerating, but I might not. You'll have to follow me about town to see whether or not I'm lying. But uh, I I love it. It's a great product, and I couldn't be happier that they are sponsoring the show. Um, They make their own blades. Uh, It's a high-quality shave that's better for your face and your wallet. So go to harrys.com, and Harry's will give you 5 bucks off if you type in uh, my coupon code MENTALPOD with your first purchase. That's Harry's dot com and H A R R Y S dot com and enter coupon code MENTALPOD and start shaving better today. What are what are, what are some issues since then, since you moved out of of the mom your mom's house? What what are you know, we've talked about your your sexuality a little bit. Where where are you with that right now? Um that? what does it feel like when you are when you were in iraq and uh was that the don't ask don't tell years or was yes. this after that
1: yes definitely what, um what what was that like um it was it was a little easy for me because uh i don't, I don't nobody I, asked and you didn't have yeah, to tell yeah, exactly and um uh, like i said i'd never at that point i wasn't really i had done things you know uh after i turned 19 uh and i left when i was 20 so i had done things with uh i had fooled around with guys but uh Never like date anybody or anything. So I was still kind of in that in that zone. So like it was easy. I just didn't I didn't date anybody. I just didn't date anybody. And it was that easy. And uh, because I work where I work, if I get in trouble, um, I lose my job and all this other bad stuff. So there was incentive to not do anything anyway. So I just didn't. And um, so, yeah, deployment was easy when it came to that because I didn't do anything and like I didn't I didn't like didn't slip anybody notes or anything. I just kind of kept my nose clean. So when I came back, I think that's when it actually like, oh, you're in the real world now because, you know, there's fake. You know, Mm -hmm. you you're a cookie cutter lifestyle. You do the same thing every day. Just in the past couple of years, I think I came to terms with it. Like, you know what? I am not straight. You know, I am not straight. Um, I would like to be in a relationship where I could just be in a relationship and be open with who I'm with and have people know. But I don't want to be in a relationship if I'm not out to my family, at least, you know. So that kind of is what hinders me from being in a relationship. And on top of that, it's just like, that's why I stick with like Craigslist because it's just like, you know, you, you meet, you do what you do, then you go about your life and you never see that person again. And that way I feel like for me, it feels like I don't have to lie. Because I don't want to, that's where I'm at right now. I don't want to lie.
0: What would the problem be with seeing somebody for a while and then coming out to your family? Does that, that feels dishonest to
1: you? Um Yeah, because I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to hide. The the initial the initial getting to know that person. I don't wanna to have to hide that. I just wanna be able to do what I want, you know?
0: I see. So how close do you feel like you are to coming out?
1: Um, very close. <laughs> yeah That's why I'm here. Uh no, I feel like I need a kick. I like, you know, I just need a nudge and um and who is it that you're is it your mom? Have you come out to your sister? No. She's she's really homophobic. Like she she used to say things to me like in the past couple of years, like I don't care if you're a killer. Just don't be a fucking faggot or don't be gay. She would say stuff like that. What did that make you feel like? Awful. <laughs> like, like it just makes me feel like, you know, it doesn't, ch- it doesn't change the way I see her because I know she's just being, she's talking from an ignorant place. She doesn't know any gay people. So, you know, that's where it's coming from. But at the same time, it makes me feel awful because it's just like in your brain, I already know what you think of what I am. And you think lower than a murderer, <laughs> you know? It's unbelievable. And and that's why that's what's taking me so long. You would think that somebody would have, um,
0: uh, a more open minded view of sexuality. Mm-hmm. You know, even, you know, even though I know prostitution is not for the person who's selling it. Generally, mm-hmm. about the sexuality, it's about the survival. Mm-hmm. But um, you would think that 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 she would say gosh, we we all got our own issues. Um,
1: but uh, it, it was worse because it was unprompted. Like, you know, like she thinks that, like, you know, and just, she has a special hate, <laughs> special hate for gay people. And it's just, what do you do? What do you do when that happens? Uh, work? Work? I'm in the army, you know, I'm in the army. I hear people talk about gay people all the time. They're the worst, you know? And I don't want... I don't, want, I don't want my sexuality to define me in a way that affects my work because what does that have to do with my work, you know? I will offer this counterpoint and it's easy for me to say
0: because I don't have to be somebody that comes out. But a guy like you who seems personable and easy to talk to, you're coming out might help change their mind, because you will put a face and a soul to the gay people Mm -hmm. out there, because I think a lot of people that feel that way just haven't had somebody whose soul, who they've had a nice, soulful conversation with. I'm assuming that you have nice, soulful conversations with people, or you just kind of lock it down when you're out there, because you're like, I don't want to get to know these people.
1: No, with with individuals i love i love having <laughs> yeah. uh soul connecting moments but have you come out to anybody yes yes Who? yeah that's why i said partially uh i have a plethora of best friends but uh, one of my best friends from high school came out to him uh how did he, he handle it great great what do you say he didn't care he just was just like you like dudes that's what he said yeah. and then i and i was like yeah <laughs> and then and then i gave him a uh ask me anything so i was like you know what one time only ask me anything that you want to ask me that you got in your mind uh i would not crush you verbally if you do so and that's how we did it and he asked me questions and i answered them and um do you remember what any of the questions were oh uh, you know have you ever been with a dude you know stuff like that and i was just like you know i was very honest with him very blunt and i told him i was like yeah you know um because he didn't know if i was just thinking about it or if i had actually I done it and um yeah, so, you know, he asked me a couple questions like that. Um, nothing too personal, but, yeah, you know, and um, it was fast. It was easy, and I felt really good after I did it. And um, that's kind of – I feel like uh, something inside of me is kind of cheap with coming out because I only come out to people that I kind of already know what they're – you kind of almost know how most that's people – That's not cheap,
0: though. dude. That's I, human. I feel that way, though. Yeah. You know? oh, oh, Lance, <laughs> that is so not cheap. That's That's – you know, on many levels that that makes sense. That makes sense to me. And f- first of all, why would you not start there? You know what I mean? Why why would you go to somebody who you think you're going to be rejected by and have yeah. that be your first uh your first experience? So, uh I I totally understand that as much as somebody who doesn't have to come out and can understand that. But, but you know, I I I've had to express to, to to people some of the stuff in my life that was I was afraid of being judged for. And I suppose on a certain level I can relate because there was the anxiety of, oh, they're gonna fucking hate me. They're gonna me. think I'm weird. Uh you know, they're gonna be uh, whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, man, you got a lot on your plate, Lance. Too much, man. Sometimes I feel like too much. I um, really,
0: really hope that you can you can talk to somebody and open up about uh, this stuff because that's a lot to hold inside. And I I would imagine that the smoke and the weed. Uh, are there any other drugs that
1: uh, are your go-tos? Oh, no weed for me. <laughs> oh, no weed anymore? No, no, no. Okay. no like, uh, I was never actually... Didn't uh, you say that you, you did smoke weed? Not, maybe. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. I maybe
0: it's because your eyes are so red now <laughs> that I'm assuming you're a weed smoker. Your eyes are very bloodshot. Oh, man. I'm yeah, sleepy. Are you,
1: yeah. <laughs> um That's hilarious. No, people think I'm high because my eyes are low, but uh, no, no. Uh, what are the drugs? Um... Now, now I don't do anything because I can't. But uh, I okay. recently, I recently did shrooms, and uh, that's why I was saying like, um, oh, okay. You know, the oh, army knows you get in trouble. I
0: see. So it's not like you're uh, oh, you have a drug habit.
1: No, not at all. I'm. Uh, oh, okay. I'm. My friends they act like I'm an undercover cop because I'm so yeah. straight laced. Like I don't do drugs. I can't. I can't. I get yeah. in tr- I get kicked out uh, the army. But um, that doesn't
0: stop some people.
1: No, no, not at all. I know. <laughs> but uh, no, no drugs for me. So. Lance you are a remarkably put together guy for what you've been
0: through. Thank you. I mean you dude you are as resilient as they as they come and I would I would say this. You're 24 and you've got your resiliency right now. But my take on trauma and all that other stuff is as we age we begin to lose that resiliency. It gets eaten away at by the stuff that we bury mm-hmm. and i really urge you um to to go find somebody who you feel safe with who you feel felt by and and really really dig into this stuff while while you're you're young and while you're um this guy who's easy to talk to and because um, we can go to this place man we're all of a sudden just being around people feels like sandpaper where getting out of bed feels like I shared this with somebody the other day. Sometimes feeling getting out of bed for me feels like walking naked out of an igloo, (laughs) you know, just like, Oh my God, it's going to be brutal. Yeah. It's going to be brutal out there. It's just going to be a shock to my system to, to roll out of bed and have to do whatever. So, I just want to urge you and anybody out out there that is listening, who is has these stories, but they don't feel crushed by
1: it yet.
0: Yet is the is the key word there. Yet is the key word. Your thoughts?
1: Oh yeah, uh, no, I agree a hundred percent. I I actually recently had a moment where it, it came out, and um... the anger yeah what? the anger the, the the pain um talk about it i i so you know i met i met my dad recently um i found him on facebook and um i contacted some people ended up getting this number and i called him it was like he well, he called me and we spoke and the first conversation we ever had was just really really shitty in my opinion because he he kind of gave me a half ass excuse of why he wasn't around like oh i couldn't find your mom is what he said and um I you want to
0: find somebody you'll find somebody yeah
1: and then he said i couldn't remember her last name and then he uh he gave me her last name and then he gave me my last name he said it was one or the other and i'm like motherfucker you had both the names you needed you know and so i'm just like getting mad as i'm talking to him and were then he, you saying
0: this stuff to him or no were i didn't it?
1: i didn't say it i didn't say it what i told him was he lives in sacramento So at the next door to Fresno. Yes. At the beginning of the conversation, I just kind of like told him, like, you know what? I said, I said, there's no reason why we should be having this conversation over the phone. I said, do you mind if, you know, sometime in the next couple of weeks, if I come down to see you or come up and see you? He said, yeah, I would love that. So, uh, mind you, I have a brother. I have uh, siblings. Uh, one of the brothers that, um, one of his other kids is about a year young, 10 months younger than me. Um, once again that god thing i mentioned i'm not real religious but uh something up there this dude lived in long beach my brother um he went to your brother or half brother half brother okay so my dad's son that i've never met ever he i'm living in long beach for a year this guy lived in long beach and he had just moved it turns out he had just moved like a month before i found him and he moved to oregon and um i called him and i paid for him to come out And like, oh, his sister lives right across the street from me. Like, it's just like right across the street. So like, this is weird stuff, serendipity, uh, you know, stuff like that. So my brother, I tell him, I'm like, well, do you mind if I bring your other son, Jonathan? It's my brother's name. So he says, "Uh, yeah, you know, I would love that. So I've never met my brother, but I tell him like, hey, I'll pay for you to come out. He comes out. Me and my brother, uh, we meet for the first time. Uh, He's uh, half white as well. Go figure. Uh, So I have my half brother and we uh, we rode down we roll we roll down we hang out for like a week and we drive up um take him through Fresno he meets my mom he meets my sister he meets my grandma you know he meets my family so then um then we we stay there then the next day we ride up so we go to my dad's house and my dad he lives on a um he lives on a ranch, more or less, with this uh, with this elderly lady. I say elderly, but she's like 10 years older than him, sugar mama. And uh, he lives on a ranch with this woman, and that's where he lives, you know? He's just like a dude. And I go there, and I felt the biggest sense of under underwhelmment, I guess. Like, yeah. I was really underwhelmed. And I get there, and he's just this guy, and I'm just, you know, this guy's been, like, the big bad wolf of me my whole life. Like, you know, like, you leaving me, you left me with my mom, and all these things happen, And, um, I, you know, I more or less hate you for it, you know, and, um, and I see him and it's just this dude and he's real casual. Like he's kind of laid back like me and he's just like, what's up, you know? And then me and my brother were, were hanging out with him and like, I'm just kind of quiet. And I'm not saying much. And my brother is kind of, we kind of went in with a battle plan, like how we were going to attack him, you know. And uh, we go and we're hanging out and we're drinking and nobody's talking about the elephant in the room. And, and had your your half-brother been abandoned by him? Yes. Okay. Big time, big time. Um, this is what's funny to me. It's, not, it's funny in a, in a sad way. I found my brother do my dad's Facebook because they were friends. And my brother doesn't know my dad. Like, he found my dad as well. He added him, and they both just let that be there.
0: He should start a face group, a Facebook group kids. for kids he's abandoned.
1: <laughs> he should. But then he'd hit his limit <laughs> and then have to turn into a <laughs> follow. Yeah. He can have no more friends. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so, like, him and my brother found each other, and they just were, like, stagnant, I think, for two years. And I couldn't understand that for the life of me, like both of them, like you couldn't be like, hey, dad, you're my dad. And you couldn't be like, hey, you're my. They both knew, but they did not talk to each other. So I'm disgusted by both of them at this point because I'm very proactive. As you see, two weeks later, we're at his house. So we're sitting there and nobody's talking about like, oh, remember how you abandoned us for 20 something years? (laughs) You know, no one brings that up. And we're just there, and I'm pissed because no one's talking about it. You could probably see it on my face, and I'm just sitting there. And uh, we go to the back, and we're drinking. And we're shooting BB guns, just like good old times with Dad. You know, we all don't know how to do this because this has never been a thing. So we're sitting there. Did you have
0: the desire to turn the gun on him and just put a pellet in his ass? I wanted to punch him.
1: Oh I, yeah. I, Shooting would be too easy. I wanted to yeah. inflict the damage with my hands, but I didn't, thankfully. And um my brother gets drunk. He goes rogue on me he gets drunk and he like pretty much he breaks down on my dad and he tells my dad everything he wanted to tell him and um, like uh oh, oh it's bad um so he just he tells him like things that happen to him like getting molested by his mom's boyfriends because because his mom's on drugs and you know all these things and he's just you know going in um
0: and you say, like, and you weren't there to protect yeah, me. Like yeah, like,
1: you left me. You you didn't protect me. Um Being in and out of, in uh, what is it, uh, halfway homes. Because he was wherever his mom was, you know. In and out of halfway homes. In and out of crack dens. You know, wherever his mom was at, he was at. This dude, you think I got a story. That dude has a story. So, you know, he's breaking down. He's telling my dad all this shit. You know what my dad is saying? He's nodding his head and he's like, That's unfortunate. That's that's really sucks.
0: Your dad is so numb. He's a piece of shit.
1: Yeah. He's numb. He's dead. Dead on the inside. You dead know? on the inside. And and I'm sitting there just like beside myself, like and I and I like my brother gets up and goes to the bathroom and I start laying into my dad like I'm like, motherfucker, your son is here telling you that, you know, he's been molested and you know, all of these things, and all you have to say is that's unfortunate and i'm like uh i'm just like you're a piece of shit you know i'm just telling them like you you're sorry man like if a, i told him if a stranger told me half the shit he told me i'll probably be crying and you're sitting here saying this is your son and he's just like i don't know i don't know you know and that was that was kind of how the we we went for a day and that's kind of how the day that that was a high that was a high point of the day and then um we me and my brother wrote my dad letters and um we were, you know, at the end of the day before we left, uh, he thought we were going to spend a night. He's like, you're going to spend a night. And I'm like, fuck you, dude. We're leaving. So uh, I, we tell him we have letters for him and he gets nervous. That's the first time he showed emotion. And he's like, um, when y'all do that? We like before we left. And then uh, he's like, where they at? We like, they in the car. And like, you want to read them right now? And he's like, uh, I'll read, the, you know, read them in the morning because, you know, so I'm like, okay, we'll be back tomorrow. Oh so, cuz you uh, wanted
0: to be there when you oh, read. Oh yeah.
1: Him. No, we wanted to get his what he thought, you know. So uh we leave, we leave and we come back the next day. He had read uh he had read our letters. Um my letter was scathing. Um I'll send it to you, actually, if you want it. I don't want to impose that on you. But (laughs) no, if you want it, I'll send it to you. But it was scathing. It was just like uh, the first thing I did was I told him like pretty much like um, I thought he was dead up until, you know, finding out about him two weeks ago. Because that's what my mom had told me my whole life. I thought you were dead. And um, I'm disappointed that you're not. Because, you know, if you were dead, I would have a good excuse to why you weren't here. And, you know, to find that you live on a ranch is kind of a slap in the face. And I told him I don't believe in karma because... Because of you because you're the shitty guy that leaves all this destruction in your wake and you just get to live on a farm you know that's that's your that's your the end and I'm like fuck you you know so then I go pretty much sentence by sentence our initial conversation and why you said this to me and why this made me mad and why you know um, he at one point said uh, my brother Jonathan oh I know he really mad at me <laughs> And I was It was like, Jonathan right there? No, and the, when we were on the phone he said that. Oh, uh, okay. And I was just like, Motherfucker, and for you to insinuate that one of your kids hates you or doesn't like you or anything more than the other ones is a slap in my face. Like he was putting it like, Oh, because I couldn't find you, you should be okay with me not being there for you. Like, you know, it's fine. And I'm just like, You piece of shit. So I laid into him. So then more or less the last thing I said in the letter was just, um, What'd I say? I told him, um, oh, the I don't want your, like, I don't want an apology from you. I don't need it. What I do want is just to hear you admit that you fucked up. Like one time, just, you know, you fucked up. You weren't there. You didn't show up. You didn't take care of us. Admit it. And maybe we could go forward. And I was like, then and only then, not maybe, I was very clear. Then and only then will I decide to even co- attempt to continue relationship with you. So, you know, the next day after he reads that, we come and the mood is a lot different. And, um, he tried to pull that shit where it was just like, let's be casual. He's trying to pet animals. He tried to show us goose or something. And I was like, motherfucker, I don't <laughs> want to see any goose. Let's fucking talk about you, you piece of shit. So, um, so. Were you we, calling him a piece of shit? No, no, I didn't call him a piece of shit flat out, but it was very, uh, he's a potty mouth and we were potty mouths. And it, I enjoyed that most, like, cause we were just F bombs everywhere, motherfuckers, <laughs> and you know. Yeah. So, um, Oh, the most the most profound thing I said to this man was, um, it was nighttime. It was really dark, and we were going through a photo album. And uh, my brother called his mom, and they talked. And he was talking to his mom, so it was just me and my dad. And my dad says, uh, "You know what, Lance? My life fucking sucks because he hates the lady he left. He's just there for survival." And he's like, "My life fucking sucks." And I looked him right in the face, and I was like, "Good." And then instead of reacting, he ignored me, and I just stared at him like. And then that was it. And then, you know, and that was right before we left the first day. So, uh, he would ignore me anytime I confronted him because I did it a couple of mm-hmm. times, like, like aggressively confront him with just something true. He would ignore me because that's what he does, obviously. So the next day when we talked, we got a lot more done because we talked, you know. And, um, I told him my story, kind of what I've told you for the past three hours. I don't know how long <laughs> we've been here. Um, Beat by beat, just like, yeah, all these bad things happen because, you know, my mom made bad choices. And he and then my brother told him his stuff the day before. So my dad was just sitting there and he was just like, I fucked up. That's what he said. And I started laughing. And I was just like, and he's like, what you laughing? I'm like, that's all you can say. You know, I'm not mad at you for saying that because it's true. And and then uh, did that break the ice a little bit. But we ended up leaving like shortly after that. We didn't stay long that day. And, um, we, me and my brother had already planned. Uh, we only had one picture of my father, uh, between the both of us. And it was a picture I had of my dad when uh, I was, um, a kid you know where it's just him by himself and um we decided we were gonna burn the picture like you know like a ritual we we're gonna burn the picture because we don't know this guy we're gonna kill him and um uh, we were gonna do shrooms <laughs> so uh, you don't
0: mean literally kill him you just mean kill
1: yeah kill the his- picture yeah like metaphorically of course so um minute to murder on a podcast um <laughs> probably wouldn't be a first um so uh yeah so we we decide this so this is where the shrooms comes in so the next day um uh, we were we were on the time crunch so we actually went to the lake that night mid like three o'clock in the morning pulled all nighter slept on the lake it was pitch black couldn't see anything we wake up in the morning and that's when we were going to do our shrooms so um we take the shrooms and i've never done them and my brother does all kinds of drugs he's a hippie um so i'm just like oh you know at first Mm -hmm. the first couple have you done shrooms i have oh they're so good uh so
0: uh you really gotta have the right circumstance and be with the right people oh yeah yeah,
1: uh well we were at a lake and you know that just happened and it was just like oh they were really good for me closets are actually a great place to do shrooms yeah i i always enjoyed
0: a really (laughs) confined place because uh, it just felt safer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the worst place I ever did shrooms was at an Indiana yeah. University ba- basketball game, and there was a girl sitting behind me. Every time uh, possession changed, she would scream like she was being stabbed. It was the worst experience <laughs> of my of my drug career, other than trying almost losing my mind on acid. That's another story.
1: But go ahead. Oh, that's good. Sorry. Um so, yeah, we, we do them. You know, at first when it hits me, I'm like giggling. I'm all giggly. And I'm just like, whoa. And then finally that that introspective part mm-hmm. of it where, like, you're just like, I thought I was God. Like, I really was just like, I am God. You uh, see the world differently. Yes. It was so good. And and um, so I became God. Um, it was good. Um, we, we decided to get the pictures. So the pictures in the car. Um, oh, mind you, I had this 70s playlist from from Spotify playing the whole time we were on Shroom. So I just kind of set the mood and I was playing the whole time. So I go to my car to get the picture. I open up the trunk and I'm looking rummaging through my car. And I'm not looking and I'm thinking and I'm thinking and like pretty much what I'm thinking is just about my mom and my dad, how they're shitty people and they're selfish and their selfishness led to the birth of us kids, me and my brother and their other kids. And we have this shitty existence. Like I was almost like I just rather not been born because these people. Are so, so like you know mm-hmm. like it would have been better if we hadn't have been born because we're just like uh, your mistakes walking around that you guys decided not to fix take care of. So I was thinking about all of that and I started crying right and like I like I told you I cry in my car but it was not like a cry in my car. I at first it started out as like a <laughs> and then uh you know tears started going down then it became a sob and then I was just bawling in this, like, leaning up against my trunk. I'll never forget it. Leaning up against my trunk, bawling my eyes out. Uh I'm not a crier. I'm not a heavy filler. So this was, like, new to me, and and it just felt like all this weight leaving me. And then um my brother comes over, and he hugs me. And then like, I kind of leave them because at that point I was not crying to be consoled. I was just trying to get it out. So it wasn't about, you know, it wasn't about being mean. I just needed, you know, Mm -hmm. so I walk off and I'm in the middle of this parking lot and I'm bawling my eyes out. Bawling, harder than I've ever cried in my life. And I just start like narrating why I'm crying. Cause I'm on shrooms and I feel like I know everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm saying everything I was just saying like yeah. these selfish motherfuckers, you know, we here and we dealing with this shit and they just leave us here and we don't know. And I'm like, and I tell my brother, I'm like, I'm hurt, man. I'm hurt. And then I, I talk about, um, I walk around, I walk around in my life. I walk around at work, very buttoned up, very polished, not polished, but very buttoned up and very composed. And I carry all of this, like you were saying, I carry all of this and, and I don't ever allow myself to stop and slow down and think about it. Cause if I do, I don't know if I'll be able to get out of bed, you know, and that's always in the back of my head. But then when I had this shroom trip, it kind of made me face all of that and I let it out. So I was saying all of that, like I walk around putting up and blah, blah, blah. And I'm hurt, man. And, and like, you know, and then I got it out and it felt really, really good. So I stopped crying. Um, we go, um we we're on so we're all like weird about how we're gonna go about this ritual so we're like we're gonna write we're gonna write something on the back of the picture that you know something that represents that we're, we're gonna burn in the fire with our dad so i put like resentment like i don't want to re- resent him or some shit like that and then my brother put false emotional attachment and then um and as we're writing this um the 70s playlist is going and fucking dolly parton who i um before today didn't have a very strong opinion of or any of opinion of was playing and it was Jolene and I'll never forget it I'm writing and Jolene is playing in the background and it's just like the most intense thing I've ever done in my life and then like you know we start the mm-hmm. fire and we put it in and um that was the moment that I decided Jolene would be my suicide song if there was ever one uh Jolene is it and um I'm about to put this 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 picture in the in the fire and uh me and my brother are kinda hesitating and we finally just do it and we put it in and um this is my shroom mind talking now. Mm-hmm. Um the the way the picture burned was weird because it started from his face and it spread it out and then, that's like a that's like a bad movie moment. Yes, you know yes. what I mean? <laughs> and, and I was thinking that the whole time it was happening. Like, it's a <laughs> cliche in a weird way. Yeah. And uh and then I get the lighter and I burn the one end, and my brother grabs it and burns the other end, and then it just like burns, you know, it turns into ashes. And then we're sitting there, and then I start crying, and he starts crying. And then we kind of move to the bench and we sit down, and, and then now we're both crying. And the the funny thing is because the whole time I was Crying, I was thinking in my head, like, you cannot break down two times in one day. You cannot, (laughs) you will not break down two times in one day. And I fucking broke down again, all the way down, you know, on the bench with my brother. And like, the funny thing was, like, the the park with the lake was still business as usual. So there were family and kids everywhere. That's
0: fantastic.
1: (laughs) And they were just like, they were, I think they were watching, you know, and I remember at one point there was like a husband and wife, like, like, feet away from us and like he was kind of nudging a wife like look they're doing that thing and this must happen all the time at the lake because they were casual about it they didn't call yeah. the park rangers or anything but they were like look they're doing shrooms and they're bonding and they were they didn't laughing. know
0: you were on shrooms I, thought,
1: I don't know it was my shroom brain of course yeah. but um but yeah that happened and um I didn't know my brother well before, you know, that, and, like, we're really close now because of that. Like, I fucking love that dude. Like, I equate him to that feeling of being there and just, like, kind of releasing and, like... I mean, how... how it,
0: it sounds like you both felt each other as deeply as two human beings could. I
1: think so. Because I every time I think of my brother, I just, like, feel a love. Like, oh, I love that dude, and I can say that. And I barely know him, you know? So it's weird. But, like, I'm glad it happened. So uh, hopefully, 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 I do not get in trouble at work for telling that story. Um, I didn't get the time frame, so it happened years ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, a couple months. But, uh, yeah, so... That was my shroom story and meeting my dad. And it kind of ended there. Talked to him a couple of times. And um, during the shroom trip, I decided that um, my dad's awful and I don't really need him in my life. You know, I don't really want him in my life. Like, I don't want that type of person in my life. So I kind of went there with it. I don't feel bad about it um, with my mom I decided that uh, my dad did get, you know, we had our we had us a talking good talking to, you know, Mm -hmm. each other. We had it out. Me and my mom haven't had that, like I said, since I was 17 and I left home. So I feel like I owe her that. And I mean, I know that's in a bad way, definitely. But um, I don't want to talk to my mom until like I'm in person with her and she can't hang up or get away. And just have a talk. And it doesn't have to be mean or angry, but it's but just like. But you gotta address the elephant. I have to address it. And, um, that's why I'm at with her. So, like, I have not been picking up her phone calls. Uh, she's upset about that, but, um. Let her be. You know, yeah, I mean, oh, fuck her. You know, more or less, mm-hmm. like, that's her problem. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna have it soon um I'm thinking i don't i don't wanna have that and come out to her, but i'm i I might need to have come out to her at the end of that like i,
0: I say you serve you wait till her birthday and you serve her uh, a birthday cake and it says happy <laughs> birthday i'm gay
1: a <laughs> <laughs> coming out cake she's gonna oh, she's gonna freak out
0: letter yeah letter it's time that y- that you allowed that you f- begin to filter people out of your life that don't see you and love you for who you are because you are okay exactly as you are, you know? <laughs> Everybody gets angry, Yeah, Lance, you know? Given the amount of pain you have, you know, it's, it's shocking that you are not in a bar beating people every night. You know, or strung out on drugs, or you know, numbing yourself with with God knows, you know, whatever addiction people happen to to fall into. But uh, you're a resilient dude, Thank and you, uh, you know your that story of you and your brother crying is uh, that's is that's one of the most touching things I, I've, I've ever heard, and okay. I'm really glad you came. You came on and and shared it.
1: Thank you. <laughs>
0: yeah, and uh, I really hope for you that that you continue to unearth these feelings because it it's been my experience it comes up in layers. And as much as we would love for it to be a single cathartic experience, um, and who knows, maybe it is for some people. But I think for a lot of us, um, it 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 comes up in, la- in layers, especially when it's been added in layers yeah yeah it's pretty rare and dude you've got you got a layered cake you got a layered uh, layered
1: cake it's big yeah it's big Uh,
0: dude thank you thank you so much for for coming and sharing your life with us okay many many thanks to uh, to Lance um, before I take it out with uh, some emails and surveys, want to remind you there's a couple of different ways to support the show. If you're so inclined, you can support us financially by going to the website mentalpod.com and making either a one-time PayPal donation. Or my favorite, uh, becoming a recurring monthly donor for as little as 5 bucks a month. And it's the financial platform that keeps this show afloat, and it means the world to me. So um, you can also support us by shopping at Amazon and entering through the search portal on our homepage. It's on the right-hand side about halfway down. Make sure your ad blocker uh, isn't engaged, otherwise it might not show up. And it's not to be confused with the search box for our site itself. Um, And Amazon gives us a couple of nickels. doesn't cost you anything if you buy something there. You can also support us uh, by buying a coffee mug or a t-shirt. And you could support us non-financially by spreading the word uh, through social media or writing something nice at iTunes for us. Let us get into this. Uh, This is, might have been the oddest launching into a... The surveys in mail that I've done yet wasn't. I wasn't really paying attention. I was kind of. um, My brain was kind of split in half there. This is from the What Has Helped You survey, and um, this is filled out by a guy who calls himself Huddle Ledbetter, Huddle or Huddy, I can't tell. the The site that I use for my surveys um, has changed their um, software, I guess, and now the print is even smaller. So I feel a hundred years old when I struggle to read. And I have reading glasses on while I'm reading this. Uh, His issues are depression and anxiety. And what helps him? Medication. Taking a big picture view of things. Trying to recognize when my brain is telling me things that aren't true. And then give myself the time or attention that help keep things from spiraling out of control. You know what is a great thing to help you keep perspective about the size of our problems is look at that picture from Voyager 1 when they turned around and they looked at Earth and it was just a tiny speck. That, I think every person could feel that when they saw that, they could feel something shift in them and say, wow, we are worthless. We are minuscule and don't matter. Oh, maybe that maybe that's not a good thing. This is the same survey filled out by uh, a guy who calls himself Gamer D. And he writes, that was Ivy, he writes, uh, who has been wearing a cone for the last week because she's had a hot spot and uh, oh, she is not happy about it. Uh, His issues are depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, introversion, and shyness. And what helps him? Board gaming, war games, but also Euro games and card games such as Flux and Lunacy. Uh, And then he writes, why? One, games are structured with rules. Everyone plays by the rules or the game makes no sense. The rules are defined and accessible, unlike life. Two, a game provides a social, social context through which I can interact with other folks who have similar interests. Three. Nowadays, thanks to our European friends, there are even cooperative games where the players have to work together to beat the game system. An example would be Pandemic. Um, I play video games too, but mainly because of family members. Video games rely a lot more on reflexes and reaction time, and I'm not so good in those areas. Plus, I found out the hard way that realistic games such as Dead Island enhance my nightmares. Um I agree. There there are a few things... I, I do not like playing against other people online, but I do like playing cooperatively. And uh, unfortunately, the bulk of games are um, not co- cooperative games. This is a survey. Um, this is from the Workplace Bullying Survey, and this was filled out by our friend Kay Bake, whose survey I read um, about her husband uh, earlier in the show. And... Uh, she's in her twenties and she writes, I'm a nurse. One of my superiors constantly comments on my weight and tells me I am too skinny. She monitors my food to make sure I am eating, implying that I have an eating disorder. In the past, she has put her hands on me to feel my waist and my wrists. She always asks if I am losing weight. It makes me doubt myself and triggers my anxiety. Although I am now at a very healthy weight and the highest it has ever been, I do have a history of severe anorexia. I've been very stable, with no relapses for almost 8 years, but hearing, you are so skinny, almost makes me have a panic attack. Because there was a point when I truly could not trust my own mind to take care of myself. I tricked myself into thinking all was well until I was so sick I had to be hospitalized. I learned not to trust myself. However, I am now in a good place, but I can't seem to trust myself over others. Uh, Have you tried changing the situation? No. She is in a position of power over me, and she also makes the schedule. She can be very vindictive, and she has been known to give shitty schedules to those she is mad at. Any advice for someone in a similar experience? If your therapists and family have reassured you you are doing well in your recovery, trust them. Be strong in your recovery and how far you have come. My husband always tells me that my actions over a long period of time have showed I am caring for my body, so who gives a shit what other people say? Also, for panic and, and anxiety, do yoga. It helps. Thank you, K-Bake. This is an awfulsome moment filled out by um, Holly Jean. She's in her 50s, and she writes, My ex-husband left me and my 12-year-old daughter because he couldn't, quote, handle a family. We were deeply in love at the time he left, so I flipped out when he left. I really flipped out. I was already in treatment for depression and had been for years, but this sent me over the edge. I couldn't believe he left. I fell into the darkness, um, full strength, despair, and ended up a few months later in a hospital as I checked myself in after a suicide attempt. Fast forward 10 days out of treatment. I'm waiting outside for a taxi to pick me up in front of the hospital. And as I'm standing on the sidewalk, I see a sign pointing out class was being t- held to teach about parenting skills in the lower level of the hospital. As I am standing there, my ex and his new girlfriend walk right by me and into the parenting class. Wow. Wow. That is I am I love it when an awful moment is just a fucking bullseye and you, you guys have not been filling out many happy moments or awful some moments and uh, I want to shame you for that in the deepest way possible I want to say you I want to say to you almost like uh, Jesus on the cross why have you forsaken me I don't know if he said that on the cross or on his way up Calgary Hill or if he had that on the back of his leather jacket I cannot remember I always get those confused um, and i probably just lost some religious listeners. Good for you. Get the fuck out of here. How's that grab you? This is from the What has helped you survey, and this is filled out by Harry. I wonder if it's the Harry that makes our shaving, our shaving products. Issues and struggles, anxiety, depression, PTSD, suicide attempt, subsequent hospitalization, and outpatient therapy. What helps my family and friends, my therapist, medication, laughter, and exercise. Boy, I heartily agree. Those are all things that I, I have to have to do. This is another workplace bullying uh, survey filled out by a woman who calls herself Felice Catus. F-E-L-I-S-C-A-T-U-S. I'm sure it means something fancy. Share your experience with workplace bullying. Oh man, where do I even begin? My currently assistant manager is a complete psychopath who takes out her personal life frustrations on her employees. I'm not the only one who she bullies, but since I'm the last of the original group of employees to stay, she's targeted me exclusively. When she was in a relationship with her on-again, off-again boyfriend, she would ask intrusive questions about our love lives and compare it to hers and always made it seem as if her life was perfect while ours were shit. Uh, she doesn't know how to talk to anyone, so she would end up screaming at us while on the sales floor. I work in a small boutique boutique, and scare away customers. I've even had a customer come up to me and tell me she felt sorry for me for having to work for such a person. She makes up insane rules but never follows any of them herself and has written everyone up for literally stupid mistakes that she makes all the time. She's even written up my coworker for fixing a mistake that she made herself. She has made me and my fellow team leader do her paperwork for her while she steals our sales, then claims she's a better salesperson than me. She's had me go clean our back room and put away her personal belongings so she didn't have to speak to me. She's texted me at night on my days off and reprimanded me for gossiping about her when I wasn't even working that night, and I had to apologize. She's had other managers from other boutiques spy on us so she could know what we were doing at all times." Um, She uses her mysterious medical condition, which only appears to affect her when she doesn't want to do anything, to get out of cleaning, selling paperwork, etc. But she can sit in our back room and eat fucking pizza and talk on her phone and play fucking Candy Crush for an hour. And worst of all, almost every time I come into work and she's there, she targets me and starts harassing me. From blaming me for not putting things away correctly, to not cleaning correctly, to just never doing anything right. I'm always to blame. She has me do all her errands while everyone else on the sales floor gets to do their actual job, and I have to be her fucking maid. She's not Miranda, she's not fucking Miranda Priestley from Devil Wears Prada. She's an assistant manager to a little boutique in the mall, for fuck's sake. How does it make you feel? I feel like a complete doormat, a failure. I feel less than human when I have to work with her. I try my hardest to make it easier for everyone else because I know I'm not the only one getting picked on, but it's just too much. I've given up trying to stand up for myself because I always get cut down. She's taken my self-confidence. My own mother, who's a handful herself, has never spoken to me that way, uh, to to me the way that my assistant manager has. I feel like she's broken me. If you tried to change this situation, Other than getting an increase on my Prozac prescription, developing a drinking habit, and smoking more weed than I have in my teen years just to release the stress that builds up on a weekly basis, uh, I've contacted everyone I could, from HR, her boss, the regional manager, and beyond, and nothing. Everyone knows how horrible she is and has seen it for themselves, but no one is able to pinpoint a way to fire her. We're all writing things down now, and I encourage new employees to watch out and not to trust her, as bad as that sounds. But I don't know anymore. I know something is going to happen soon, since there have been a few meetings here and there, but fuck, man. The only thing that's keeping me here is the nice paycheck and waiting to see her get fired on her ass. I want to see her break as much as she's broken me. Any advice for someone in a similar experience? Don't wait until it's too late to say something. If you feel like something is off or that you're being treated unfairly, say something to the person. And if that doesn't work out, then go to their boss, etc. Uh, contact HR if possible. Uh, that stands for human resources for those of you that, that, that don't know. Uh, even, if this, uh, even if this is your only source of income, you do not deserve to be treated unjustly. It's just not fair. You deserve better. Thank you for sharing that. Um, sounds like I'm farting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I'm an adult. That's my my desk chair squeaking up against the desk. This is from the What Has Helped You survey, filled out by um, a guy who calls himself happier than ever. He's gay. He's in the 60s. Um he struggles with anxiety and depression and what helps go into the gym three times a week, doing 45 minutes of cardio, some weights and machines and meditating. It has actually worked very well. Awesome to hear. This is a shame and secret survey filled out by uh, a woman who calls herself Ava. She's straight in her 30s, raised in a pretty dysfunctional environment. Uh, she writes, stable and safe during the week, totally fucked every other weekend and holidays, school, vacation and summer. And um, I'm just going to condense it. She uh, was the victim of of sexual abuse. Um, She was at a daycare, and an older girl there, who was the granddaughter of the owner, um, did stuff uh, that she wasn't comfortable with, so she said something to the owner, the woman who owns it, who called her a sick little pervert, uh, a disgusting pervert and a hateful little shit. Um, And... uh, didn't do anything about it. She was also raised by um, a really horrible uh, dad. Um, But that's not what I I wanted to read. And she did have some positive experiences um, with her dad, but not many. Uh, I wanted to read her deepest, darkest uh, thoughts and secrets. Um, Sometimes I think about darkest thoughts. Sometimes I think about doing really awful things to people that hurt me. It has to be a major hurt, though. Cut me off in traffic, and I'll flip you off and go on with my day. Run over my dog, however, and I might fantasize about kidnapping you by surprising you with a pillowcase over the head and a frying pan to the nose or balls. After you've been subdued, I'll tie you up and bring you somewhere dark, dank, and far away from civilization, where I'll proceed to torture you in ways Hitler never thought of. I can really get into these fantasies, focusing on which tools I'd use to inflict what type of damage on which body part. And if it's someone I know and happen to know that they're particularly vain about a certain feature, it can even be more satisfying. I, can't, I kind of can't believe I told you that. I'm a really nice person. I really am. Darkest Secrets. My darkest secret is so awful, I've never told another living soul. It is the cause of so much self-loathing it can be completely crippling. My mom was dying of ovarian cancer, and I was her sole caregiver. It was very difficult. This isn't an excuse, just an explanation. Anyway, she had been prescribed dilaudid for her pain. And by the way, two sentences in, I knew what this was going to be because I've read of other people doing this. Um, and it just it breaks my heart that she's so hard on herself when she's clearly dealing with an addiction. Anyway, um. Uh, she'd been prescribed a lot for her pain, which was pretty bad. Eventually, she wasn't comfortable at home anymore, and we needed to move her to a hospice so she could get better pain management with IV drugs. She was there for about a week and was scheduled to come back home the following day with a new drug protocol. The night before she was to come home, she suffered a stroke. I spoke with her in the morning. She was very disoriented and confused, but she was calm, and I knew she was safe where she was. I spoke with a nurse who told me I had what had happened and who recommended I come in and spend that day with my mom because typically end-stage patients like her who have strokes usually go downhill very quickly and lose their speech and slip into unconsciousness. The nurse couldn't say for sure how long it might take mom to end up like this. She said it might be 36, 48, 72 or more hours, but she thought I should come. I told the nurse I wasn't feeling well, and I'd be staying in bed all day, but I'd be there the following day. I also told my mom all of this, and she said that she understood. I don't know for sure uh, that she did. Here's the shitty part. I wasn't sick because I had the flu or a cold or even the shits. I was sick because I had been shooting up the Dilaudid left behind when she went to the hospice center, and I had run out the night before. I was dope sick the day my mom had a stroke and was herself for the last time. And I missed it because I was withdrawing from meds I stole from my dying mother. I will never forgive myself for this. I am sober now and am so, so ashamed and sorry for this awful betrayal. Sometimes I think about this and feel that I don't deserve anything good ever. And I want to slap you in the face and tell you to get a hold of yourself. How's that for some tough love? You are being so fucking hard on yourself and you are sober. Your mom is, if there is a heaven, your mom is smiling down on you right now and saying, baby, I forgive you. I don't know why I'm having her calling you baby. I apologize for that. But it—it it is all good. You are in a better place than you were. And any mom who loves you is rooting for you. Rooting, cheering the fact that you are sober. That you have come back from that bottom that you hit. That is the greatest amends that you can make. Is that you stay sober. And you make your mom proud. Which I believe you are. Because you're her little baby, according to me. And then I'm going to slap you in the face again. But I'm going to do it with one of those fancy 17th century gloves. Not my hand, just the glove. And then I'm going to lay my coat down on a puddle. Because I like to i like to keep uh, Renaissance women off base. I like to gaslight them. Because <laughs> there's gas lamps. This is... Um, my chair is farting again. This is from the What Has Helped You survey... Um, and by the way, if there are surveys that we read occasionally that you would like to hear more of, uh, email me and let me know. My email is mentalpod at gmail.com. And if there are specific survey responses that really strike you as, is, um, worthy of, of me addressing on the podcast, um, email me, uh, and let me know, uh, cause each survey response is given a number, um, and, and the person usually has a name and I can search for it because I don't read every single survey. I think I probably read 90% of them, but sometimes uh, a few do fall through the cracks. And uh, and honestly, sometimes I I wish that somebody would pick the surveys out for me because um, I want to know what's important to you guys. All right. Um This is from, (laughs) she's got to be from Wisconsin or Minnesota. Uh, Her name is Oh Hey Dare. She is straight in her 20s and her issues are eating disorder, anxiety and depression and what helps having a dog and running. My dog really keeps me from moping around all day and to get out when I'm depressed. I sign up for races for running and it helps me meet a lot of like-minded people. It's a different type of addiction, you could say, as I've really gotten into distance running and racing distance distances longer than 50 miles up to 100 miles yes at once you'd be really surprised how many uh, ultra runners out there were once addicts had eating disorders and anxiety issues i guess it's another type of addiction and self-abuse that perpetuates in a more positive manner yeah we have a um a listener who is an incredible ultra marathoner uh named hannah and um she has won several uh of uh of the 100 mile events and she does bad water which is fucking crazy you start i believe you start in death valley and like run to the top of mount whitney or something i mean ugh. insane insane and she uh gave a ted talk that was really good this is um this is Shame and secret survey And this one is filled out by a guy who calls himself Jonathan. And he is gay. He's in his 20s. He was raised in a totally chaotic environment. Um, Ever been the victim of sexual abuse? Yes, and I never reported it. Uh, Really badly sexually abused as a child by my father and some of his, quote, friends. Then involved in a, quote, relationship with a 50-year-old man when I was 13 and thought I was so mature. At 15, I had sex with my priest. Everyone gets to take their turn with me, it seems. He's been emotionally abused and physically abused. Um, He writes uh, about the emotional abuse, I am a monk. My first abbot was an emotional terrorist. He had been trained as a psychiatrist prior to being an abbot and given my upbringing, I thought he might be able to help me. Before I entered the monastery and was just a visitor, he was very kind to me, very affirming and very helpful. He gave me space to be myself in a way people had not before. When I entered the monastery at the age of 21, and parentheses he writes, so smart, exclamation point, he immediately changed. He began screaming at me. He told me that I was being disobedient for correcting him on facts about my own life. He... He began using hypnosis to manipulate me. He became sexually suggestive to me during these hypnosis sessions. Mostly, he used hypnosis to just make me very confused. And that, combined with screaming sessions about what ev- what even happened in my life, I no longer knew what was up or down, who I was. I was an emotional wreck. Hold on one second. Uh, I was an emotional wreck. Uh, I began drinking somewhat heavily in secret, stealing wine from the monastery cellar, and triangulating with other monks in order to try to take down the abbot. At one point, point, though, another monk groped me and began talking to me in a sexual sexual way, saying, it's okay, don't worry, it's all okay. It freaked me out. It sent me into a PTSD-fueled tailspin, and when I told the abbot about it, he responded by telling me that I should leave the monastery and that this was my problem. But then I stayed for another year and a half, before going to another monastery that turned out to be more of a cult also ruled by an ex-psychiatrist that made me even more emotionally ruined than the first monastery. The spiritual leader was still a licensed psychiatrist with a practice and thus doled out medications for my quote psychological disorders that after four years of therapy I had never been told that I had. Soon I realized almost all of the monks were on medications. Uh, She was a homophobic monster that was obsessed with the sexual thoughts of monks. She made me confess in detail sexual thoughts, and she made me and others confess to all the other monks. We had meetings that lasted hours where we would denounce a single person, often for things that were actually mostly fabricated, things we saw in that person's heart. I didn't know what was up or down again, and probably even more. Finally, I'm in a safer place on another continent, I managed to use my language skills, I'm a translator, to get reassigned to another monastery um, in Europe where I am trying to regroup. The above is just a short version. A lot of me, as I am writing this, feels that my story is so incredulous that you won't even believe, so I am hesitant to write more. Uh, any positive experiences with the abusers. Yes, the first abbot, he in a way rescued me from my parents who were insane. He also taught me Greek, which is a way in which I was ultimately able to escape the second monastery. He could also be quite cultured and interesting when he wanted to be. The second spiritual leader also helped and that she saved me, quote, saved me from the insane abbot. She also helped me to come uh, to more peace about my relationship with my family, despite all the bad she did. Darkest thoughts. I want to have sex with my bishop. I have not told anyone that. I think he might like me too. I calculate how to get ahead, which is not good for a monk. I have fun by writing bad reviews. From my past psychiatrist online. I fantasize about smashing her expensive car. I fantasize about things I could write her. I wish there were police I could call to put her in jail. I don't think I will ever be good enough. I need constant uh, approval of, of, of from others. Um, my biggest struggle in living abroad is that I don't, I don't have a daddy figure to latch onto and develop a crush on. I am a sick freak. Uh, Darkest secrets. I've had sex with my own father as a child. I remember it all too vividly. I suppose that is the deepest, darkest thing that has happened to me. And then all the men that I've had sex with since then, both in terms of being abused again and then on my own, seeking out those kinds of men when I was fully legally competent to consent to such relations. I've had sex with more than one married man. I used to seek them out on online sex sites. I have hooked up with more men whose names I didn't even know than I want to admit to. Um, So I must say, in some rare instances, I, uh, I claim I don't remember, but the truth is I do. I make it sound like I was in some kind of daze or almost crazy, but I'm not crazy. I knew what I was doing, and I remember everything quite clearly. I suppose that is my biggest secret about my own darkness. I remember it all a lot more clearly than I remember. Uh, And I decided so much of my own. uh, Decided so much on my own that I wanted to. I try to blame it uh, on someone, the other guy, or on my past. And sure, that has some impact. But I. But I know I still choose. You know, if you are a sex and love addict or a sex addict, um, the amount of choice that an addict has is slim. Uh, if they're not in a recovery somewhere between slim and none, um, because the, the power of, uh, addiction and only you can know whether or not you're truly an addict, but, um, given what happened to you as a child, it would be, um, very rare for somebody to not be either completely sexually shut down or sexually promiscuous and drawn to people who are emotionally unavailable, um. Or smothering or both sexual fantasy is most powerful to you in the arms of my current daddy figure him stroking my hair tenderly kissing me as he fucks me in the ass it makes me feel like a sick freak you are not a sick freak what if anything would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to I should always ask who they want to say this to, because sometimes I don't know. And he writes, Just because you have a penis doesn't mean you have anything to say to me. Fuck you and your myths that you use to make yourself feel safer. What, if anything, do you wish for? To find someone who will love me as I am and that I can love back. Have you shared these feelings with others? Some. Not the darkest fantasies, no. I tend to share things that happened to me instead of things I did, because I feel less guilt, uh, though certainly not without guilt. And people are generally helpful, but also amazed that I have made it through as well as I have, that I haven't imploded on myself, that I can function normally in society without people knowing about my dark past, but their affirmations sometimes make me feel like somehow I must not be explaining things properly because they don't hate me yet. How do you feel after writing these things down? Relieved to write them, but also scared of myself. Wondering if you believe half of what I wrote, and if you would believe the things I didn't even bother to write. I believe you, and I think anybody who heard me read that believes you and wants to give you a hug. So, sending you some love, and um, I hope you, um, I hope you find mental health professionals or support groups or something that works for you where you can begin to feel that love that you deserve, because you deserve love. We all do. This is from the What Has Helped You survey, and this is filled out by a woman who calls herself Bug9, and she suffers from severe panic, anxiety, and PTSD. And what has helped? Hiking or walking barefoot in nature, especially near moving water and meditation. Uh, I just want to blanking on the word, endorse meditation. You've noticed that about four people from these surveys have said how meditation has helped them. It's also helped me. And I am a big fan of taking the shoes and the socks off and walking on the grass. Um, especially if uh, if you can do that on a golf course. Um, walking on a... If you've never walked on a, on a green, a golf green, without shoes on, uh, I don't know how they... <laughs> I've never been caught doing it, but uh, it's one of my favorite things in the world. This is, which survey is this? Happy Moments. And this was filled out by a woman who calls herself Psych. And her happy moments, she writes, One of my favorite happy moments was the time my sister and I decided to see if we could both squeeze into the same pair of sweatpants. We totally could. I love doing dumb things with her because it makes me feel like myself. I spend a lot of happy moments acting as a volunteer in my Mormon temple. I get to connect with a lot of people, which is really life-affirming. And it's so nice to read a positive experience with religion. Um, I know it may occasionally seem like we shit on religion in this uh, program, but we... We don't. We don't. I I believe in God. Uh, I believe that my belief in God or higher power, whatever you want to call it, has absolutely not only saved my life, but given me a life. Um, I just often think um, a lot of people um, use religion as a tool to injure others. Um, This is a happy moment. And this was filled out by a woman who calls herself Karen. And she writes, My grandfather is an alcoholic. The only time we've ever talked about it uh, was when he told me and my sister that he had a problem. But he was going he was going to start going to meetings and try to quit. Uh, that was a bunch of years ago and we've never spoken about since. Then, at my 20th part, a birthday party... I went up to talk to him and ask him if he was having a good time. We spoke a little while, and then he told me that on August 24th, he'd been sober for five years. I high-fived him and congratulated him, and uh, I swear he looked proud. That was the best part of my entire birthday weekend. Not the skateboard I got, not the motorcycle lessons, not the amazing party, although it was good, but the fact that he felt comfortable uh, to tell me about it. He is my favorite of all people. I love that. Love it, love it, love it. And then finally, I want to read this email uh, that I got from Ren, who uh, we've read some of her uh, surveys on the podcast before. And she wrote me an email, and she said, uh, as you may recall or not, uh, and if you don't, I don't blame you, from some of my recent forum posts and survey responses, I've been having a pretty dark time here lately. A while back, an old ex-boyfriend requested me on fake Facebook and has been sitting there awaiting my response ever since. It wouldn't be such a big deal except that he emotionally abused me and our final night together ended up in rape. So while I'm a forgiving and compassionate person, I'm only now, nine years later, beginning to unwrap the shitstorm of trauma that the rape brought into my life. After le- deleting my account, forming a new one with a pseudonym, and having him find me again, I've been ruminating even more on the whole thing. Do I tell him what he did? Do I tell his friends who have begun to seek me out? Do I just ignore him? After spending all morning making myself sick, fretting about uh, it, I wrote him this long letter telling him everything I've wanted to say for nine years. I didn't send it. It made me even more anxious, and I actually had to uh, stop all activities for the day and lay down because it had exhausted me. As I lay there, tormented and near tears, I imagined just writing him a simple note that read, go fuck yourself. I immediately smiled and got out of bed. My day has been so much better. Every time I think about doing it, I laugh even harder. So all this is just to say thank you, Paul. Thank you for making the shitty things just a little less shitty. You help even more than you probably realize. And I would now tell you to go fuck yourself, but I'm saving that for someone special. And, uh... I kind of wanted to end on that note, but I also wanted to read. I wrote her back and said, thank you for managing to create an awful-some email. Hilarious, sad, and touching. And yes, I remember you from the surveys. Um, and then I asked her if she thought about contacting a therapist or a rape, rape crisis uh, counselor and mentioned uh, org, which is the Rape and Incest National Network, or calling 211 from a landline to find out if there are crisis centers. And... She wrote me back and said, I can't thank you enough. I actually went to Rain after the Nandi La Sofia episode when he said, it's still rape even if you say please don't, my jaw dropped. Turns out I've been raped four times, four different occasions, and guys, I wasn't even allowing myself to call it that because I hadn't been beaten up and left for dead. I did contact a local local rape crisis center and I'm receiving therapy once a week for free. Extra awesome because I had stopped seeing my previous therapist due to lack of funds. I didn't even know what crisis meant until last week, and here I've been walking around in crisis for decades. Who knew daydreaming about suicide and drinking yourself to sleep every night was a crisis? Seemed normal enough where I came from. Anyhow... It's a bumpy, potholed, dilapidated road to recovery, but I'm slowly learning to give myself more credit, and I'm doing everything I can to just keep plowing forward. There's got to be an end to all the pain somewhere, right? I mean, there's an end to the universe out there somewhere, they say. So I hold out for better days and relish the good ones when I get them. I'm a fucking mess 75% of the time, but hey, at least it's down from 90. Your podcast has truly opened my eyes and helped me put a finger on all the holes where the misery was pouring out. Thank you, and please use anything I've said in there. I want to be a force for good in this world. That's so touching, and uh, you already are. You already are a force for good in the world. Um, anybody out there who's hurting and wants to heal... um, the healing can be about so much more than just you. That's that's the thing that, that amazes us when we heal and we share our stories with other people is we realize we can, we can make the world a better place. I know that sounds a little grandiose, but we can because we can help others realize that they're not alone and that recovery and healing is possible. And Ren's on her way, and I fucking love that. And that's a happy moment, and go fuck yourself. Wow, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know where that came out of i kind of like those cuz they even surprise me they even surprise me anyways if you're out there and you're feeling stuck know that there is hope there is help you just got to you just got to make that painful decision to say i can't do this anymore i don't know what i'm doing please help me and it will change your life it will change your life and um, just know you're not alone and thanks for listening Everybody I know is bizarrely beautiful. Everybody, up up I, know weird bizarrely Everybody I know weird beautifully, up beautifully fucked up, in, weird beautifully <laughs> fucked
1: up in, are- in some weird way. Basically.